Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for another Supercoach episode. This one's a bit special, Supercoach TLT, but Supercoach TLT round 12 is one round before the big buy. Round 13 is the first big buy of the season. So we are going to have a bit of a buy round special. The strategy chat segment is going to turn into a buy round special. So we're going to talk about buy round strategy and also go through all the options for the buy round and spend heaps of time on that. So what that means is we are going to have a quicker uh, round 11 look and also quicker market watch because that'll probably bleed into the strategy chat for round 13 a little bit because a lot of teams are starting to buy for that round 13 big buy round. But to do all this with me, we got Matty Person on board. Perso, Tragic Tigers fan, veteran uh, super coach podcaster and all other podcasts as well and also hasn't been on for a couple of weeks so perso has been on a lot of talking footy podcasts with me in the last 12 months but not that many super coach ones so i was keen to get perso on for a, a bit of a super coach chat and perso was alive when we used to have three big buy rounds all the time and not many trades to do it in it used to be a lot harder so perso welcome aboard mate a lot easier these days with the big buys yeah, sure is, Barty. Good to be on uh, talking a bit of Supercoach. I enjoy the uh, Talking Footy podcast, but this time of year is always good for us. Tragic, want to be overall Supercoaches, and we're sort of back to a little bit of the old days, aren't we, with the three big buys, albeit a fair bit easier to navigate than it used to be. Yeah, so I mean, I think that the big change really is it just happened this year where it's just the best, the best 13 scoring because obviously in prior years, you know, you get teams that getting to getting to 12 or 13 is difficult. Uh, but you'd get some teams that would really push for the big buy around and, and get a full 17 complement, and they would just skyrocket. So I guess it's kind of brought the field back a little bit, I feel. Do you sort of feel the same? Because you can't really go that 15, 16, 17. It's only going to be 13 scores anyway. You do get some little benefit of going, well, you get your 13 best scores out of your 17 that you pick, but I don't think that's a huge benefit. I think it was more beneficial before. So it kind of brings the pack back a little, back a little bit, but... It also is one of those things where I think they were thinking about head-to-head because there's some head-to-head settings too where you do actually play in the big buy rounds. Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier than it used to be. But um, there'll still be plenty of sides that won't build full teams, especially if there's be a lot of um, head-to-head sides that are doing quite well in the rankings that don't play on those big buy rounds. So I still think you'll see some solid jumps. Yeah, still a really good opportunity. Um, so before we get into it, I'll just mention that we do have the Talking Footy podcast at the end of the week. That one's no super coach. So if you like your footy, make sure you tune into that one as well. That one normally hits on a Thursday before the round actually starts. Occasionally, maybe a Friday if we're running a bit late, but most of the time it's a Thursday. Good one this week because we're going to be talking about a lot of things, but one of them is going to be I do have a Dragons Tragic on board to talk about the hook sacking. So that's going to be fun and probably very long, but... Along with that, we've also got our fantastic partner that I need to mention at the top of the podcast, Picklebet. Picklebet is a fantastic bookie. If you haven't heard of them, jump on picklebet.com right now and have a look. They are fantastic with their odds. A lot of the time you'll find better odds there than what you will anywhere else. And certainly, you know, if you like a punt, you want to odd shop, you want to get the best value for your money, and Picklebet often has that. So check them out. The NRL odds are great, but they've also got some good racing stuff, and they're actually one of the best bookies for gaming if you if you're into betting on gaming they've got a lot of markets there for that so jump on picklebet.com but one of the great initiatives that we're doing at picklebet is each week 
they are putting up under their um, weekly specials, uh, uh, NRL All-Stars podcast promo where it's got a same-game multi-special that you can look at. And the same-game multi-special this week is the Roosters minus five and a half points and James Tedesco to score a try at any time. And they've put odds of $3.50 starting on that one, which I really like. So for the Roosters to win by six or more points and Teddy just to score a try anytime, three fifty against the Dragons, I reckon that's decent odds. So that's our all-stars same-game multi-special on Picklebet right now. If you jump on picklebet.com, create an account and make sure under the referral code that you put all-stars, all one word, because that code that you put in when you sign up will make sure they know that you've come as a listener from the podcast and they'll know to take really good care of you. So jump on picklebet.com today and make sure that you punt responsibly. Also think, is this a bet that you really want to place? And for free and confidential support, you can call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Perso, we've got to talk about round 11 briefly first. We're not going to go through the scores, but we do have to do the Clint Eastwood, the good, the bad, the ugly. I don't know about your round. Mine was sort of average. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. But for you, you're the guest. What was the good part of your round that's just passed? Oh, it wasn't too bad for me. I got a twelve eighty. Um, captain Nico, it's sort of easy captain choice. Probably should have captain for Peter. He was the only one who plays that went over a hundred, but uh, he's been killing it. Um, yeah, back row is pretty solid. We're starting back row, but put the three highest averaging back rows in Supercoach, so I'm happy with them. Just a plug it along round, really. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I'm having a look at it and just going, you know, the the thing that I was really happy with, and you sort of mentioned it, was for feeder. You know, I've I've been super happy that I started with Big Fifi, and he ended up going for the third time in a row with a 100-plus score, scoring 111. And he's now scored a couple of tries in his last three weeks after going on a, a drought until three weeks ago. So he was definitely my good and super happy with him. But the bad, what was the bad in your team? Uh, the bad was an error for myself, actually. I, I forgot to take the um, reserve off board until I realised a few games in and Taruva and Alamotti had already played, so I had to throw my last reserve on bloody Matt Croker. That probably cost me a 1,300 score, but that's probably the worst. For me. I didn't really have any players underperform. No, oh, that's uh, that's that's pretty good. I mean, I've definitely got. Oh, apart from Manu, sorry, who got injured, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's an easy one. I, I think everyone sort of had Manu, um, and, and you know, one of those sort of thirty-ish scores. Um, pretty lucky if you didn't on the weekend. Oh, look, it's it's hard for me. I, I probably have to say, it's. I'm going to say Alex Johnston, and only because you know, I think I had such good expectations for the Tigers game. He's gone forty. And he did that without a try. And look, I just think that, like I was saying last week, surely Alex Johnston is like a dollar one to score a try this week against the Tigers. And I know your Tigers have been defending pretty well, but still, uh, still against the South juggernaut, right, mate? Like I, I just, I thought that he was easily going for a try. And if he did, he would have scored, you know, seventy plus. But as it turns out, it was a forty, which isn't too bad, but just disappointing because I've envisaged Alex Johnston because I thought he's got one hundred and twenty-five possible. Yeah, and there's the other winger that got the tries, wasn't it? Tane Milne on the right edge. Who did score 125 live, so I was right. <laughs> it was just the wrong, the wrong one, and he updated to 131, I think. So, yeah, they just went they went the wrong winger. Yeah, they're certainly not as left dominant this year, South, which will be affecting AJ for the last 
sorry, two or three seasons has just been left, 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 left. Now they've sort of developed an attack on the right with Campbell Graham being fairly potent down there with uh, Walker playing both sides and Mitchell, obviously. So they're a lot more dangerous on that side this year, which makes them more dangerous altogether, I suppose. But AJ's one, yeah, he's not going to benefit unless they really play a side with bad right edge defence. The ugly, super ugly for me that I had to watch my Roosters get demolished by the Panthers. I, I sort of thought it was you know, thought it was coming anyway. I thought we'd lose badly anyway. It's um, it's one of those things where you just you see the Panthers match up and you know it's going to be hard. So ordinarily, you know, twenty nine from James Tedesco. It, I just chalked that up as oh well, they you know played one of the best teams in the comp and just copped a bit of a hiding that they needed. But unfortunately, this year the, it's you know, tenfold worse because Teddy just hasn't had a good year. So, you know, copping a 29 just um, is another nail in the coffin for me. But I do think he'll bounce back this week against the Dragons, but we'll talk about that a bit later. But, yeah, 29 for for Teddy was was definitely my ugly. And I obviously had Manu as well, which you mentioned. So 33 and 29 from the two Roosters. Super ugly. A few reasons for it. Obviously, Manu got hurt. Uh, and obviously both of them got flogged. Teddy, you know, a little tiny segue per so, but the commentators were going off how, you know, James Tedesco, you know, just had his first run and we're almost 17 minutes into the second half, blah, blah, blah. First run of the second half. And so they didn't have the bloody ball. <laughs> like, where did he get a run? Yeah, they didn't have any <laughs> ball. When they did have the ball, they like made an error on the first or second tackle. Like, he didn't have a chance to get the ball. Like, I don't think it was, it was as much Teddy's fault as what they were saying. Nah, and the Panthers' kicking game had it all sussed out too. They avoided kicking the ball to Tedesco as much as they could. And when they, he did get it, he was just getting smashed straight away. It was off a high ball and couldn't even make a metre. Yeah, so it was it was pretty bad. And look, I'll, I'll throw in there too while we're on a small segue. You know, it's 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 frustrating to me when I know as a Roosters fan that we're, we're not looking very good and we just don't really have the cattle to compete with the top couple of teams this season at the moment. And they still talk about in the commentary and stuff that it's it's um, a glamour roster and one of the best rosters in the league and they should be doing. But I urge everyone not to listen to the media on this because as a Roosters fan, I came into this year going, geez, if we're starting Corey Allen and Jackson Paulo on our wings, we're going to be in a, a lot of trouble. You know, those guys are good reserve, great depth. that should be New South Wales Cup majority of the year. They're our starting wingers. You know, that's, that's not glamorous. Um, Hutchison this weekend is going to be our starting six. That's not glamorous. And... You can all, everyone can say, oh, that's because of injuries and stuff. You know what? Like, we're going to either be starting Momo or Billy Smith in the centres, and Momo's out, obviously, now, and it's Billy Smith. I love Billy Smith, but, like, no one's going to say that he's a star. You know, that back line is getting very overrated as far as what we've got in our arsenal, and a lot of the guys are getting older. So even though I, I still rate our forward back pretty highly, there's a lot of old blokes there, you know, and it's just... I don't think it's anyone's fault. It just sort of happens with some rosters that, that age a little bit and then you cop injuries. And then the Roosters have obviously been coming back from injuries for two years, which guys are still trying to come back from. Kiri may never come back from the injuries he's had the last 24 months. So, you know, am I wrong, Perso? Am I trying to find excuses for the Roosters? Because I just, I st- I'm starting to scratch my head and everyone's still talking about how the Roosters roster is like this all-class roster. No, oh, you're not wrong at all. <laughs> it's not 100% right. Like Corey Allen... Couldn't even get a start in first grade at the, the Dogs, barely. He only know he had a rogue origin game a couple of years ago, but he's any, anything but a superstar. Barlow was out of favour at South, couldn't get a run over the likes of Milne and guys like that. 
Momorowski is saying, like, they're all depth players, every one of them. Even Sue Lee, to a point, everyone talks him up like some kind of superstar. He's still a kid trying to learn how to play the game. And he's a terrible centre. And he was always going to be struggling at centre yeah. for the first part. Much better on the wing. And then they move Manu at 5'8". Like, the three quarters of the Chooks is, like, no disrespect to the guys there, especially when you're playing Hutcho in the centres. It's one of the weaker centre wing in the comp. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And look, it's... It's it's going to be hard for them to turn around, but they do have a good matchup this week that we're going to talk about a bit later. Uh, look, let's move on to the strategy chat because this is going to be the big part of this podcast. And the strategy chat this week is obviously based around the big buy. So round 13, big buy round. We've only got five games, significant amount of teams not playing. And I think we sort of touched on it a month ago to kind of give people a heads up. Me and Billy spoke about it and said, you know, you need to really start preparing now because it's going to creep up pretty quickly, and it certainly has. And one of the big points that we made, per se, that we'll start at the top of this before we move into some uh, players and team chat is be real careful even now with your trades this week and next week on round 14 because round 14, you've got Manly, Newcastle, and Parramatta all on buyers. And if you haven't planned and you haven't been listening to the podcast or you haven't been looking at buyer planning until now, it's very easy just to stock up on like five eels in the next two weeks and not really think about it. And then you either not going to field a 17 in round 14, or it's going to be a really poor one. So we probably need to start off the chat, just mentioning that to people, I reckon. Yeah, exactly. That's the, going to sneak up on people, those second smaller buy rounds for sure. So having a look at the options, um, I think for me personally, there's like, there's a few different things that I look for when I'm buying players to cover the buy round. And there's probably four main points. Um, and I'm keen to see whether you've got any different ones to throw in. But I think it's really important that you're just not buying anybody. Like you've, you've got to look at you know, some specific uh, criteria. For me, the first one is keepers. So number one, you know, if you can buy a keeper that is going to play the round 13 buy, you know, that's one of your best buys that you can make because that's obviously set and forget, right? You're not going to have to use a second trade to get them out um, and they're going to be part of your run home team anyway, or at least part of your maybe 20 strong guys that you're happy to rotate in and out. So being able to get someone that's going to be a keeper and and be able to hold them, I think that's the number one thing I look for first. Yeah, 100%, Parsi. Especially with only the 13 players. Back in the old days when you had, you always used to be the Eels playing all three games too, coincidentally. But you used to be able to carry a guy who would come in in those three games and probably score well in just those three rounds and help you make up your 17 numbers and then you can throw him away. But, but these days, the 13, there's no point bringing anyone in that you're not willing to hold for the rest of the season because you're going to get injuries through the origin period and the back end of the season, you're going to be running low on trades. You get stuck with some guy that's just a 30-point, 40-point sort of guy usually but might get some extra points in those rounds. It's going to be no good to you. Yeah, and that segue is really good in a point too, as well as far as playable goes. You know, you, you've got to be able to score some points, right? There, there's no need just to grab guys just because they're playing because you want to make sure that they're going to be useful apart from just one week. So I think that, you know, you raise a good point there in the end. We They've got to be able to score some points. They've got to be playable. And I think that we all fall into the trap of looking at guys just because they've got that round 13 buy. When the reality is, you know, if you get 30, you could get 30 points out of them and they're not really any good any other time and they end up being an AE nightmare. Like, I mean, half of us have Sonny Luke in our teams probably at the moment. It kills me with my looping at the moment and I can't get rid of the 
can't get rid of the bloke because he's just not worth enough and it's just too hard to trade. So you don't want to be stuck in that, especially during that buy and origin period. Um, and especially guys that might play that round 13 buy for you because someone's out and then not return again and then kill your depth as well. It's just a waste of trades. And I do think, like, are you in the same boat where you reckon there is very much enough options where you don't just have to be grabbing these sort of guys, especially when you've only got up to 13, they're going to actually score? Yeah, that was my next point, mate. There's, at the moment, there's 59 players with a, a discounting you guys. I've only played one or two games. So I never bother including them. But it's uh, coming into round 12. If you've played six games or more, I'll put you on the players on this list. So there's 59 players that average 60-plus. And of those 59, 27 of them play round 13. May lose one or two of them if, like, a Graham or a Walsh gets picked for origin. So there's, uh, there's a lot of options out there. Uh, that's a, that's amazing. Like, that's awesome. That's great great stats from Perso there. Uh, and that just tells you right there, you know, like, and that's just a 60-plus guys, right? Like, obviously, there's going to be some guys that are averaging in the 50s that could be really useful too. So there's a hell of a lot of players there. Yeah, especially in your, you can, in your front row forward type situation. See, Hawes was not on that list because he hadn't played his 60, 70-odd minutes to start with. So he's just below on 57.2. And there's a, quite a few front row forwards around that mark. Yeah. And then you Robson at Hooker, like he's just below that as well. He's a 59.3 average. So there's, there's probably further options, really, if you want to look in the guys you can play and plug and hole. Yeah, so you've probably got 40-plus options, really, that are, that are good options for round 13. So there's, there's no need to be getting some of these other sort of crappy guys that are going to give you 30 points and not be very good. Uh, next point, money makers. So if you can get someone to cover the buy and they're going to make 100K plus, that's a pretty good buy player. So it's something you also look for. Like, so obviously, per se, you can't just get a team full of keepers from round 13. It's just, it's impossible and, and obviously doesn't even work out that way that we have 13 definite keepers that you want on the run home. But... You can get guys that are really useful, like we mentioned guys that are, you know, maybe averaging 50-something that can be good. Um, or, you know, Robson is a good example of someone that's averaging 50s that I think is good for the buy. Um, but he, if you can get someone like that, and, you know, Robson isn't going to work because he doesn't have that negative break even, but if you can get someone sort of like that, especially the guys in that 400 to 500K range that are going to be able to make some money over the period, then that's the other uh, criteria that I kind of look for if I can tick it off. Oh, for sure. Keep a keen eye on sort of mid-ranges that scored well last week and go well again this week, and they'll have a keep a big eye on the BEs. Like someone's got a, a really nice BE and can plug a hole and score you 50-odd points and make you, say, 100K through that period, they're going to be really valuable. Same as if a cheapy pops up, like a lot of people were jumped early on um, Balance Safari, which was obviously a mistake, but... If something happens to break out league again this week, you don't know, he might pop up in round 13. So guys like that could be quite handy too. Yeah, and look, that's that's something that you can look for as well when obviously teams aren't going to have the bank to maybe pay for five really good players over the next two weeks that play round 13. So, you know, and you can have more, obviously. You can use boosts as well. So teams with boosts are in a really good position where they, you can have up to seven trades in the next two weeks. They're going to help you out with that buy round. But... You can't just get all the, all the best players and spend, you know, 600K plus on all of them. Obviously, you're going to have to get some cheaper guys. If you get the cheaper guys, um, get 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 some money makers. Because the other thing too, per se, the last point of mine is that they need to fit a plan. You need to have a purpose for the player that you're bringing in. What is their purpose, you know? And if it's someone that's a bit average but going to make some cash, then if you plan that out, their purpose might be, well, I can see they're going to give me 
you know, four of maybe 40 points in the buy round. And then over the next couple of weeks after that, they're going to make 100K plus, And I can flip them for the next big buy round to somebody good. And that's that's fitting a really good plan as opposed to just getting someone in just because they're playing and then getting stuck with them because you're also going to get really stuck on your further big buy round plans, right, aren't you? Because you're not going to be able to move enough players out to be able to compensate for what you need to get in to be competitive in those other big buys which are coming up. Yeah, for sure. That's probably the most important point, really, out of, out of the bottom. You don't want to be bringing, burning two trades, getting the guy in and out that's sending in a school year 30 or 40 points in that round or in a couple of rounds. You're sort of going to be just, it's a waste of trades. You might as well go in, like, what's 30 or 40 points at the end of the day for the extra number? You might as well just play with 11 or 12 players. Be much better off doing that. And that's the point, especially in key positions, like we've only got two options at hooker, a halfback, 5'8", and fullback. You just, you can add an extra player in your back row. You might have four back rowers or something. You still make your 13 without having to change that. You, they'll come in because you're top 13 scorers. So you don't need to try and get players into those positions necessarily. You can just have an AE in those and pick up points elsewhere. Yeah, and I mean, look, at, I'll ask you the question, like where are you at at the moment with your plan for this? Like I'm going to have either 13 or 14 players. Some of that's just by design though because I was picking up guys during the during the first half of the year type of thing. But I wouldn't push to have 12 or 13 if it's not going to fit for a specific team. Like I think you could run with 11 and it's okay. Um, I think sort of 11 is probably the minimum that you probably want to run with uh, and not, you know, not do trades for the sake of it if the guys that you're getting in as your 12th or 13th man aren't actually that good. Are you sort of, how are you going for your numbers and your plan? And are you also in agreements that with some teams, you know, they maybe shouldn't be pushing for those extra players if it's not a good option? Oh, 100%. Um, I'll, we'll have 13 or 14. I've got sort of 14 now, just the way that the season's planned out. That's another point I was going to make. It's been actually quite easy, just the way the draw is. To have sort of decent numbers when you only need 13, I'm actually going a bit left field with the three major buy rounds because my numbers are already pretty good the way as it happens. I'm going to do max trading in between. I'm going to try and save three trades in each one of them. So I'll, I'll have nine trades saved through the buy period where everyone else is sort of burning through them. So that's my sort of zig when they zag tactic this year. But uh, every side will be different. I've just been a bit lucky with guys that I started with, like Cartwright just sort of seeps getting kissed on the old fella and picking up enough points to plug him in and play a hole. And i got Cardi. I'm loving still, it at the moment. I can't believe he's going to survive. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm in the same boat. I started with him and he's sort of just still cruising along. Same with Ford, Opgood, guys like that that are going to do an enough job. You can still hold and still making money. And but Hopgood could end up being a season keeper again now the way things have turned around there. So I've been a bit lucky in that regard, but they're just the players that were sort of killing it early on that you need know, to bring in your side, like in centre wing, like your Tomacos and Marzus and Garricks and that. I picked all them up a little while ago. So I've got guys like that just sitting there. Um, Dylan Brown's probably the only option at 5'8". Everyone should have him. So it's not going to be too hard to piece together a reasonable 13, but yeah, if you haven't really been focusing on that, you're more head-to-head and or situations have gone a bit different for you with injuries and whatnot. If you're scrambling to get to 13, you're probably better off if cash is going to be an issue to try and get guys in at a highly price. So if you're running with 11, 12, you're going to be fine. Let's talk about the players. So starting at hooker, we're going to go down all the positions and we're going to look at um, some of the best options based on averages and also some of the best options too as far as maybe some, um, some value options too. Hooker's the first position though. And we're going to make some assumptions too. 
So that's a caveat here at the top before we get into the positions. There's going to be some assumptions on some guys obviously making the origin team um, and also some guys that we're going to assume do that maybe don't. So um, some like, you know, some might pop up. I doubt that Campbell Graham does pop up. We haven't listed him in our centre wing, but, you know, if he somehow doesn't get picked, then, you know, he's another one that you can add into the list. But starting with Hooker, Marshall King, he is actually the number one guy. 69 points a game in 2023. Has only managed eight games so far, missing a couple. But he has really gone so much better at the Dolphins than what I expected. I thought he was a bit of a smoky at the start of the year. But so he's averaging 69 for the year, but at the same time, he only has one score that is below 53. And that was 33 points in round two where he played 70 minutes. And he's also gone 60 plus 75% of his games at the moment. Top score of 89, uh, only has the one try. So there's definitely room for him to continue on. 46 raw base is solid. His base attack isn't great at six. So that still brings him up to a 52-point floor. The big thing with Jeremy Marshall King, he's probably you know earned the right to be the number one hooker option for this buy round. And they do play St. George Illawarra too. And it is at home for the Dolphins. So as far as matchups go, he, he's right there with one of the best matchups he can have. But the big problem with Jeremy Marshall King, $680,000 per so. Very expensive. Yeah, he's getting hard. To, if you haven't been planning and sort of looking at getting guys out and making a bit of cash there to sort of pick guys up like this, he's going to be hard to get in if you're stuck with an Isaac Lucas, your second sort of hooker, someone like that. But, uh, yeah, he's he's one of the better options. You can easily run home with him too. Around the cook, the uh, Grant Marshall King option there, number one, number two, and the hookers by quite a margin. It's 68.9 for Marshall King sitting second and Damien Cook's next with 61 and they're the only three hookers that are averaging over 60 so far this season. So um, he's definitely one. If you can bring him in, I'll be bringing him in. But yeah, he's going to be, it's, as you say, it's hard to find the cash. This is going to be the issue. You've got to balance when you get, there's plenty of options, but have you got the coin to get some of those guys in? I think one of the good things with Marshall King, if you have a look at it, is when you're looking forward more than the buy, Yep. He looks really good because he, he plays the Dragons in round 13. He does play round 14 with three teams on a bye there and he plays the Warriors and then he plays Manly. And that's three decent matchups for him. And then he play, and then he has a round 16 bye. But then he plays 17, 18, 19, 20. And that's Parramatta at home for the Dolphins. The Broncos away, but pretty much at home. And the Gold Coast Titans away, but pretty much at home. So he's got those three games coming out of the round 16 by 17, 18, 19, where he doesn't leave Queensland. And whilst Parramatta and the Broncos are competitive sides, you know, they're still not terrible matchups for him. It's not like playing Penrith or the Storm. And then round 19 is a, is a very quality matchup. 20 against Penrith, it's hard. 21 by, okay. That doesn't really matter. By the time you get to round 21, if you've got a second hooker that's got a bite, it doesn't matter. But then you have a look at his run home, and, and he's run home from round 22 to round 27. And the key is there that he's going to be playing all of the weeks for head-to-head finals and stuff, right? He's going to have the Bulldogs, the Knights, the Roosters, the Tigers, the Cowboys, and the Warriors. Now, at the moment, not one of those sides is in the top eight outside of the Warriors, so that is a pretty good run home for the Dolphins and for someone like Marshall King. Oh, it's, it's awesome. The, the, uh, that's what I've got at the moment, the Grant and Marshall King combination, and I'll be holding that all season unless there's injuries, obviously. But as you were touching on the their run through the buy period, they 
don't play a team above them on the ladder through that period. They've only got that one buy in round 16, you know, the, the middle big buy round, which if you're running Grant and Marshall King, you'd just be running without a hooker that week, which is fine. And you covered every other week. That's just a bit of a no-brainer combination for me. Yeah, so the second hooker on the list uh, is Reese Robson. So I've actually gone for Reese Robson um, purely because, look, I, I thought a couple of weeks ago he's going to start to go on a run. Um, and I actually, I think I bought him for the Knights game. And he's been very solid. Like he's gone 69, 56, 61, 54. Does it, he's not giving bad scores. Uh, the problem is that probably due to the cows, he just hasn't had those big scores. So his highest score at the moment is 85. His next best is 74, which he scored twice. And then the rest are uh, 60s or below. He's only gone 60 plus 45% of his games. So I think it's one of those things, personally, where he's averaging 59 for the year. He hasn't quite got the 60-plus yet. He's five points off where he's priced at the start of the year. And you need to kind of take a punt. You know, Do you think that someone like Robson and also the improving cows are going to bump back up and he's, he's got that extra five-point average in him? I tend to think that he does. But one of the big things is not everyone's going to be able to pay $680,000 for Jeremy Marshall King. Now, Robson is over $100,000 less. And he's playing the West Tigers this week, which is a, a decent matchup, although it's away. And then he plays Parramatta in the buy round where they will have a couple of players out as well. He does have the round 15 and 19 buys, but what that does mean is that he's playing uh, the major buy rounds and he's also playing round 14, which I, I really needed because I couldn't afford to get another eel or, or knight or seagull in. So I really do like Reese Robson. On paper, Jeremy Marshall King's a lot better. Reese Robson probably has some potential, though. Oh, Reese Robson's a good option. Um, just make sure they use an extra trade in the hooker at some point because I don't think he'll be worth holding for post buys. But he, he's going to do a job. The Cowboys are improving. Um, he's down on points this year a bit because of, mainly because the Cows' pack hasn't been as dominant as they were last year. He was getting a lot of scoots out of dummy half and making line breaks and line break assists, and he's. Scored quite a few tries last year too on the back of momentum. So that's um, upside is still there for him. And if that cows start to clip, then he may well sneak up that second best hooker option. But he's definitely a good option for this buy period. They've cows by the first two big buy rounds. And yeah, you're not going to be worrying about the buy that they're out in round 15, barring Grant getting injured. It's not going to be a matter about not having a hooker because Grant will play that round 15 when they've got the buy. So you're pretty well covered right through to round 19. Yeah, he matches up really well with Harry Grant as far as when they play and don't play um, because you've got, like you said, those buy rounds that Harry Grant should be playing when the cows are on the buys. I will say too, if you benchmark him against Jeremy Marshall King, now Marshall King's earned number one status, but the base and base attack is higher for Robson. He's got a 48 raw base to Marshall King's 46 and a seven uh, base attack, which is only a point better, but it means that he comes out at a 55 floor to Marshall King's 52 floor. So, you know, if you think that Robson's got some upside in attack and the Cows have got some upside in attack, I I could see Robson outscoring Marshall King from, from round 13 onwards. Uh, I think that it is a possibility. And for a 100K discount, that might allow you to get someone else better in your team. So the next guy on the list is a bit of a value option. So you're going to have to make some considerations on, look, I, I don't have the money to spend on these sort of guys. Is there someone that could make money? Is there someone that's cheap that I can get in? And we're just going to throw out there um, Nikarima. Cody Nikarima has averaged 79 points for the for the year, but you can't really look at that because he hasn't been playing 80 minutes all year. He's priced at 375000 
And he is playing the Storm this week, which isn't great, but he does have a minus 28 break even. 375,000 is cheap. Uh, he's obviously got a very low floor, as we know. Uh, he scored he scored 17 points in 70 minutes against the Cowboys in round six. But the last four weeks, he's he's gone full games, starting as a number six for the Dolphins. 29 points, 38 points, 68 points, 75 points. The last two weeks, I thought, were quite impressive. Um, playing the Raiders in Canberra and then also playing the Sharks, where they demolished them in Magic Round. Uh, 68 and 75 points those games, and I thought he looked decent. I guess it's one of those things, Perso, where he should make money, but he is one of those guys where it's a bit dangerous because he definitely could throw up a 28-point score in round 13, and then it's not much good to you anyway. But at the same time, you know, he should make some cash, and he is playing the Dragons as a really good round 13 matchup at home for the Dolphins. So do you see him as that sort of cheaper mid-range option if teams can't afford these other ones? He does have the dual flexibility to move to 5'8 as well as hooker. Yeah, it's not as bizarre as it sounds. He's a he's a risk too far for me. I couldn't go near him myself. But but um, for people trying to offload Luke and they haven't got the money to go up to um, even a Wade Egan, who's just below five hundred k at four ninety nine. If you're really struggling and you don't want to really waste trades to just get numbers and give you fifties through there, he's just as likely to be able to jag a couple of numbers. And as you said, he'll make some make some money. The Dolphins have a pretty reasonable draw through that period. So, I mean, he's not a, he's one of the good old school plug in and hope for the best. You might punch out an eighty or something in that round and make your hundred k, and you laugh and you can move him on, and that could be a stepping stone to a second um, gun hooker. Yeah, look, it's you just got to understand your risk, I think, and the risk is that he, he could just be really poor because Nicarima can be really poor. Um, but he's your ultimate risk and reward option. But you know, it's all about taking risk at times. Yeah, he's he's priced just low enough where you can consider it if you need to, but it's going to be very team dependent. Let's look at front row forward. Number one player. Can I just say that my stat of the week going to round 12, the <laughs> feel good stat of the week is that there is no way Adam Fanil Blake can score a try this week. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, I'm just elated because it has just burnt me to my soul. He has scored a try four out of his last five games. And over that run, he's got a five round average of 89. He's gone 79. 102, 85 without a try, 91 and 90. He was a big buy a month ago, and people were looking at him versus a Tappany and also versus a Horsburgh. I went Horsburgh. Uh, I was happy with that. Yeah, so I still feel happy about it, but then I look at Fenua Blake and go, oh, Jesus, Barnsley. You could have just paid 40K more and just gone for Fenua Blake and just killed it for a month. He has been on an unbelievable tear. Um, one of the big things as well is that he doesn't normally get big minutes, but Tohill was out, Barnett was out. And he's got a pocket there between right, round 8 and 10 where he played 71, 75, and 67 minutes, which is just insane. Uh, I can't believe how well he's gone. I do not think it's sustainable. But at the same time, on the year, he's gone 60 plus 64% of the time. He's only got one score, oh, sorry, two scores that are below a 52, and he's played 11 games. And he's got a raw base of 48 and a base attack of 15. That's a 63 floor. He is now 771,000. So very similar to Jeremy Marshall King, isn't it, Perso? He's a, he's a clear number one front rower at the moment, but he's also clearly extremely expensive to put in your front row for 771,000. Yeah, for Neil Blake, I, I had the same. I, I, I did toy with it because I enjoyed He was always a pod, and I had him a few years back when he went on a tear at Manly, and it was great. And I like him as a footballer, but um, 
I just, yeah, the, the minutes wise worried me. And then as you said, all of a sudden he's just playing these minutes due to circumstance, but he's got an absolute tear score and tries. Um, surely that's not sustainable. And that's 771k. I couldn't pay 771k for paying house, let alone him. So, like, this is one I'm going to have to let go. He's a second ranked um, front row forward and super coach this year. He's only one of two front row forwards at average over 70, which is obviously him and Hask. If you've got him, you're laughing. I couldn't part with the claims for that because surely you'll, you could pick him up at some point for probably a touch under 600, you think. This run won't continue. You'll punch out a couple of 50s consistently a few weeks in a row and drop a heap of cash. Yeah, and he he does have that round 16 big buy off, um, but he does play the 17, 18, 19, well, through to round 22 when they have their next buy and their last buy. So... It's it's a 57 break even for Fenua Blake. He's expensive and also not going to make money, which is a, a really important factor as well because you can lose a bit of cash over the next few weeks on a Fenua Blake type of signing. I think it's really hard, but it, one of the things I'll leave Fenua Blake on for people to consider, he's only owned by 13% of teams. He's going to play the Broncos, who are not going to have Payne Haas or Carrigan in that big buy round, which is huge. They might not even have Capewell even. And that forward pack will be absolutely decimated. So Vanilla Black could just run Ooh. rampant. And I'm super scared of that happening first 13% ownership with that decimated Broncos pack in that buy round. Yeah, it's just that well, the, the boat sailed. I just can't part with 770k for a front row forward at this point in time. I don't have the cap space. But yeah, if you've got him, you'd be rubbing your hands together. He, he could be a BC option in that one for the loop. Oh, definitely. Looking ahead to some of the other options. Now, at the start of the season, I think everyone would have said, well, Joe Tarpany, he is the number one option for that buy round. We need to start getting him in. We need to start looking at it. I started looking at it six weeks ago because I was looking at his minutes going up. Uh, his minutes have gone very consistent in the last few weeks. Uh, after that round eight buy, he's got three weeks in a row where he's gone 50-plus minutes, averaging 52 a game just about. And that's that's where you want to see him. He's gone 60, 63, and 70 for a three-round average of 64. And that's pretty close to his 66 average that he had in 2022. He still doesn't have a try. He's still got very, very little clutch attack. Uh, his base, base attack is bringing him up to a 63 floor, which is pretty close to what he's averaged the last three weeks. So that can tell you that he's just not getting any clutch. I think at 619,000, it's a lot more palatable, obviously, to pay for a Joe Tarpany. He does have the second row forward, front row forward, dual eligibility. I just, I've struggled with this one first. So I ended up going Horsburgh a couple of weeks back to get a front row forward in because I didn't want to pay too much money for a front row forward like you unless I was going to have the ceiling. And that's my struggle with Fenua Blake, right? He's got a really good ceiling at the moment. He's scoring 90s and even 100s. Whereas Tarpany is just super consistent, 78% of the time going 60 plus, nothing below a 57 all year, which is phenomenal. But he's just got nothing else. He's gone 70 plus once, and that was last round. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, Tarpany. This is exactly the same from last year, too. He averaged 58 pre origin. Um, so he's actually going a little bit better than he was last year. And then come the buy round, he just exploded. And I don't know whether it's the way Ricky Stewart coaches. They have the Raiders last year when they went on that run through the origin period and towards the end of the season, they were offloading at will and making a lot of. Um, a lot of ground and a lot of scoring opportunities through the middle forwards that are offloading consistently, and Tarpany's hardly offloaded all this season. So I wonder if it's um, about to happen again, like it did last year. He goes on an absolute. I think he, 
from memory, I did it at the start of the season. It was 58 pre-origin, and then from around um, 13 to around 25, he was average like 74 or something. And the minutes didn't change that much. Everyone thought it's because he got extra minutes. He got like five extra minutes. It was just his base attack just went through the roof. He's offloading and tackle busting, and then uh, obviously line break assists and stuff that come off the back of offloads. That's where his points came from. I think he had like one uh, offload the first two months of this year or something. It was incredible mm, the, the the lack yeah. of offloads that he had, and he and he hit a lot of clutch attack in the second half of last year. I mean, his worst score this season is fifty seven. Mm. So you'd have to think that the offloads and attacking stats are going to come at some point. But um, he's a lot cheaper too at six hundred nineteen k. He's definitely a solid option. I mean, you could plug him in a front row and not worry about it for the rest of the season either. He's the fifth. As far as front row goes, he's the fifth best averaging front rower at this point. So he's he's a solid option, but he's you know, he doesn't look like the must have. We thought he was gonna be at the start, does he? No, he doesn't. Uh I, I'm more I think I'm more comfortable paying for him than for Noah Blake, but I'm more scared of not owning for Noah Blake because of his upside. And that probably puts it in a nutshell. I do like I, I'll finish off by saying I do like Canberra's draw. And I've been looking at Canberra's draw for a while out now because They've got Manly at home this week. That is a really good matchup at the moment versus Seagulls because they look terrible. Round 13 looked hard because it's against Souths. Souths are going to have a lot of players out. So that all of a sudden looks like a pretty good Canberra matchup when Canberra's possibly going to have nobody out. You know, Maybe Papali, maybe Hudson Young, but they could have nobody. And that South Sydney matchup becomes a really good one. Then they play the Tigers and the Warriors, and then they have around 16 by. So they don't play that big buy round in round 16 per se, but it's important to note that round 17 is very similar to round 14 in that you've got three teams off in round 17. Canberra play that. And then round 19 is the last big buy. Canberra play that. And then they're off round 20, which doesn't really matter as a single team buy round. So 21 onwards, they have a really good run home as well. Uh, at the moment, they've got uh, four out of seven on that run home from round 21 that are played at GIO Stadium. And the only teams at the moment that... I mean, half those teams possibly won't make the eight. So I do like the Canberra draw. I've been looking at it for a while. You mentioned that you've got Timico, who we're going to talk about later, but the Canberra draw is quite appealing if you just count the fact they don't play that round 16 big buy. Oh, the Raiders have got a magic draw. And as you touched on, they play 14 and 17 as well, which are the tricky sort of mini buy rounds. And they've got a draw through Origin and then even post-Origin is great, but they come down and sort of they play the Roosters, which they're ahead of on the ladder in round seventeen, and they come back fresh after a bye, and the Chooks will have well, a couple of players in Origin, maybe maybe only Tedesco. They might they'll have Collins for Queensland, but then they got the Titans and the Dragons before they who well uh, they play Dragons in the, the third big bye round, so it's definitely handy. And this is what you'll see Tarpany repeating last year. Yeah, I, I'm going to get him ahead of Fenua Black and just sort of take a punt on that um, if I'm getting one of them in. Let's move along. There is a couple of front row forward options in this big buy round, which is interesting because sometimes there isn't any. Tohu Harris, I'm just going to say outright, I'm I'm too burned by him per se. I've not been into it all year. And he's shown it. He's had multiple weeks off. He's had like round five and six off. And then he had round nine off again. And then he's got the buy round in round 12. Like he has not strung together more than two games after round four. You know, like it's... It just seems like it's going to keep going. When you factor in the fact that the Warriors have got to buy this week and then they've got to buy in round 16, you just look at it and go, I just can't do it with Tohu. You know, his upside's obviously there. He's averaged 65 for the year. That includes two games where he only played 38 and 45 minutes. 
He scored 36 in each. So, you know, his upside really is in the 70s. But the difference with his upside compared to other players is he's never going to get that upside because he's always going to have these injuries. And I still am burnt when I've had him before for a buy round and he's gotten hurt and not played for that buy round you know, the week before. That's It's so tohu. So <laughs> at 600K, I'm just throwing him in the bin and just going, oh, I'm getting a tarpany, oh, I'm paying for a phenol blade, whatever. I, I just don't have any interest in tohu Harris. But that's because I've been burnt so much and I just, I hate how little he plays. He's played eight games this year um, and missed, you know, a few already. He's played 15 and 15 the two years before that, 20 in 2020, but 2019 back to 13 games. He just can't do it over a season. Well, I jumped on him in round two. <laughs> I got two good scores out of him and he got injured in round four. I, I can't waste another trade, bring him back in, knowing that there's a fair chance I'll have to waste another one moving him on. Um, and he's not the type of guy, if you don't have him, he's going to burn you. His handy score as well is a jewel, but at this point, I can't bring him back in again. He's the fourth highest rank. Front row forward this year at 65.3 average behind Tino, Fenua and um, Haas. But you've got a gaggle of guys similar around him at the moment that um, actually all play that buy round as well. There's one, two, three, four, five sort of six guys not too far off his average that are all playing in that first ball round to the Jack DeBellin. Who would have thought we were talking about him come the buy round pre-season? 650,000. Actually only has a 25 break even, so we could make a bit of cash. Three round average of 82, five round of 72, 62 for the season. Big thing for him is the minutes. Um, and look, I said a few weeks ago, like he deserves some, some looking at, uh, but I preferred to go uh, Horsburgh because I thought he was safer for the rest of the season. And look, that doesn't look really good now because the last three rounds he's gone 84 with a try, which, you know, you, you wouldn't think he's going to get very many of at all. 91 in round 10 and 71 in round nine. He's He's gone fantastic lately. The problem with him that I have is that at age 32 for a Dragon side that's just sacked their coach, which we knew was coming, they're, they're, they're not going to yeah. keep. I just don't see them continuing to give him 70 to 80 minutes a game. And it just doesn't really make any sense. And at some point, whether that's in two weeks' time or, or four weeks' time or six weeks' time, that's that's going to stop, I reckon. Uh, so that's my issue with it. And I'm not downplaying Jack DeBellin as an option. He has been an option for a month, but it's just a matter of what you're looking for, I think. And for me, I think you can get the same out of Tarpany with zero risk. So I don't see the need to spend an extra 40K on Jack DeBellin. You know, and, and again, Jack DeBellin doesn't really have attacking upside either. So I just don't see the need to do it. But he has been killing it. And the last three weeks, he has been the front row to have. Yeah, that's was always the issue. with That's why I haven't got any Dragons players on my side at the moment. Even, like he, he looks a decent option, but we always knew that the, the hook was hanging around hook. So that's the problem for me. The Dragons players are sort of like an attractive sister-in-law, aren't they? They're, Look like a a good idea to go near at some point, but the reality is if you go anywhere near him, you get in a world of hurt. <laughs> and you just you've got no idea what's going to happen with, especially forwards with their minutes. And I mean, Lomax got rushed straight back in this week too. So there's people jumping on Fino the other week. I mean, it's just always a you just don't know what's happening there. A bit of turmoil at the moment. So as he's as you said, Delance, he's not the sort of the player that's going to burn you by not having him. He's only five percent owned. He's not that much cheaper than um, Tarpany, so it's a, if you were toying up, which way to go there? I mean, if you jumped on him a month ago, good on you, good luck, yeah. But um, he's actually dearer than Tarpany. Yeah, he's forty k more. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, so for me, like I've got uh, AFB and, and Tarpany well ahead of Jack DeBellin uh, as options and not just looking at just round 13, but, you know, going forward and as buys. Uh, horse is the last one. And it's funny because if we did this a month ago, I think Horsburgh would be a lot higher on the list. The problem is, which we've spoken about for a couple of weeks, he was 480,000 in round seven before the Raiders went on the bye four games ago. And now he is 615,000. You know, you've, you've lost a, a lot of the value has diminished on buying him. He's continued to play good minutes. The last two weeks, he's gone 63 minutes, which is down from his 70 odd average, but it doesn't particularly matter. He's only scored 50 on the weekend, but it's because he got set off. He would have gone 60 plus again, if not for the sim bin. Um, and he's gone 62, 98 and 62 and 56 the weeks before. So, Really, when he's starting, you know, if you discount the fact that he got sin binned, he's really a mid-50s low as a floor, and that's what he's going to give you. Uh, he showed some upside of 98 in round nine. He's not going to have that too often, but I just like him as a jewel that was cheap. Now that he's 615000 he's actually a couple of grand more than what Tarpany is, uh, and obviously you know, only 30 k off Jack DeBellin, and, um, or you could go up to a Fenua Blake. How do you rank Horsburgh now? Because as someone that already owns him, I, I kind of struggle with it a little bit when you look at it. Yeah, well, as I said earlier, I jumped on. Um, probably the same time you did, Barnsley. So if I didn't have him, I'd definitely be picking Tarpany up over him at the moment. Just to, I'm still, even though he's been punching out big minutes, it's Ricky Stewart. I'm still not confident even after five weeks at it that Horsburgh won't sort of drop back to 55 and 60 and Tarpany will pick up another five or so. But, um, again, because I already own Horsburgh, it's difficult for me to go and pick Tarpany up too, yeah, as well, having two Canberra front rowers and sort of, even though they're both jewels, worries me a bit. But if I didn't have either and I was looking to bring in a, a buy around, I'd probably go Tarpany over Harris to Bell and, and Horsburgh, to be honest. Yeah, I think that I would as well now. Um, two weeks ago, even at like 544000 in round nine, I'd be tempted. I that, would have gone yeah. Horsburgh. That was half the appeal with um, Horsburgh. It was that price and he was going to make money. So now that he's got a B of 78, his price is 614K, he's not making any more money. So I think that the good advice for people, though, is if you decide that you want Horsburgh or say you've already got Tuppany and you want Horse, don't buy him this week, wait until next week because he's the one out of this group that has potential to be in the origin side. I actually don't think that he will be, but he's got potential to be in the 17. And if he is, then it's going to be a poor purchase this week. He's got a break even at 77, so it works out perfectly because he got that Sidman last week. He's probably going to end up you know, 10 to 20K cheaper come that big buy round, round 13 next week. So you may as well wait a week. So just on these type of guys, I think you definitely need to wait a week. Yeah, that's another good point too, Barzi. He'll be in the squad. I don't think he'll play game one, but a couple of injuries, he could be playing the third origin when um, you can't not him for being an extra number in that third buy. Second rate forward. Uh, normally stacked, probably not as much this year as some other years, but the number one guy is Jermaine Hopgood. He's averaging over 72 points a game this year. Uh, and I think he's sort of, he's been a peaks and trough kind of player. Um, one of the interesting discussions I was having uh, earlier, actually, on a on a chat was, you know, because it looks like Joe Offerhengau is going to come in. And the question was, well, you know, what sort of impact that's going to have? I don't think it's going to have much impact because I think it's just going to be the same as when RCG was there, basically. Uh, and people need to remember, like, when Regan Campbell-Gillard was there, yeah, his minutes look like they're probably going to be sort of between 45 and 52 
Um, that was sort of the range that I kind of had him at. But then he just keeps getting uh, di- different injuries in that in that Parramatta pack, and that's meant that he's you know ended up spiking back up again. The last three rounds, he's gone 109, 60, and 81, and he's played 75, 57, and 72 minutes. He's at he's 660,000 per so. Uh, I think people that held him, that's great. You've got the number one averaging second row forward that's going to play in round 13. But at the same time, I I cannot get around buying him. Like I think at that price point, there's just so much risk with that uh, pack and what's going to happen. I don't know from week to week what's going to happen with him. You know, he went back to the bench for round six and then for round nine, he came back to the starting 13 jumper and scored 109. Those three weeks before that, when he was on the bench, he scored 47, 48 and 61 points. And then when he came back, he's obviously had that great run. So it's it's a tough call. You obviously own Hopgood. Would you actually look at buying him? Do you believe in him as a buy that you can keep around, especially when he's got that round 14 buy? Uh, it's a tough one, really. I, I just had a feeling not to get rid of him at any point, even when he looked like he might have peaked. It's just one of those field players that I've held him. So, um, it's probably worth talking. Well, he's third and third best second rate forward this season, first around thirteen, and Madison's fourth and second. So, that's probably your choice, isn't it? If you didn't have either, you, you're going to go Maddo ahead of Hopgood. Hopgood is minute dependent more so than Madison. Madison can easily still punch out 70s and 80s playing 55 minutes. So I'd be looking, I'd definitely be going to Madison over a Hopgood. Um, there is a lot of points, a lot of coin to fork out for Hopgood if you don't already have him because he hasn't really, well, you had those couple of hundreds early on, but he's, he's going to be that sort of 55 to 65 player most weeks. Yeah, Madison's basically $45,000 more money and he's the second on the list, so we'll just talk about him now. You know, he's averaging 72 for the year and people, one of the things that I like about Madison, and I was actually having a, a chat about this to Dr. Kando, who was on the podcast last week, Kane Anderson, because yeah, he mentioned the fact that his minutes are a bit capped when he's on the bench. But if you had a look at last year, like in our preseason podcast, me and Billy went through the Parramatta Eels, he was better off the yeah, bench anyway, and that was in lower minutes. So it really doesn't matter, um, and it's one of those things that's really important to look at because the last two weeks, he's only played 53 and 52 minutes. He still scored 62 and 78. People will say, oh, yeah, but, you know, last week he got a try assist. That's fine. He still would have scored 50s, and his base uh, just in round 10 was 62 in his 52 minutes. He's going to get through the work. At the end of the day, he's got nothing lower than a 59 this year and everything else is obviously 60-plus. And he's got four games out of seven that are 70-plus. He's just a weapon. And he's going to get uh, some more attack than what he's had as well. So I wouldn't discount you know, the fact that he got a try assist on the weekend because he hasn't had really any clutch attack. So he's going to get some of that. He's just such a good player. And again, you know, if I bring Hopgood in, I'm worried. I might have to trade him out again. If I bring Madison in, I'm going to keep him all year. There's no reason to trade a Madison out. Mm. So to me, he he's the guy. He's got a 76 break even this week. You don't have to bring him in this week, but at 700,000, North Queensland Cowboys round 13, I, I'd rank him as the best second round forward to bring in for the buy. I've had him for oh, five weeks plus or something, um, and I've not been disappointed at all. Five round average of 74, season average of 72. I can't talk highly enough about Maddo. Uh, I can't talk highly enough about throwing the minutes and the jersey number out the window because... Playing 52 minutes a game the last two weeks off the bench doesn't make any difference. And they need him per se. That's the big thing. They need Madison. 
Well, that's a very interesting point because I was about to bring up, you've still got Cardi as well, don't you? I sure do, yep. So you're carrying Cardi, um, Hopgood and Maddo. That's the dilemma I've got at the moment is, is me bringing Maddo in a little too far. I don't have Hopgood though, but I've got several oh, other, I've got several other heels though. So. Yeah, <laughs> so do I, but I don't have three in one position. <laughs> yeah. See, so that's, you've got to that's have the a dilemma plan. I've got. Um, I, I couldn't bring Maddo in because then I'm, I'm down three second row forwards. Yeah. So you're in a really wise. unique situation because you're, you, you've got three eels, second row forwards. And that, see, my plan, because I've got two, is round 14, Cartwright's gone straight away. Yeah. Well, I've, I've only got two. That's why I can't bring Madison in because I've, I've held Hopgood and Cartwright since the start. So yep. I'd, I'd love to bring Maddo in, but it's like I said, it's a little too far. I, I just can't do it. So, But if I didn't, you'd bring him in. He's a near master for me. Yeah, I think he's one of the um, best ones. People get carried away with, oh, only 53 minutes. But if he was coming off the bench and playing 53 minutes on the edge, you probably wouldn't go near him. But he just carves through that middle. He does. And you've got to consider too that if he was a, if he's had a 13 on his back and he was starting, he'd still probably play the same minutes. You know, does it really make any exactly. difference? And it doesn't. It's probably better because he comes on when they're a bit more tired. It's certainly more beneficial for the Eels. He was dynamic in that role last year and that was a big reason they had success in the back end of the season but Hilo and those guys go off and he comes on and just tears through the middle it just keeps their momentum going 100% next few guys are interesting because they're either going to be guys who look really the the three of them we may as well mention all of because they're all either pods or origin bound and we don't know yet so with all three of them I I would suggest that you're, you're looking at round 13 uh, Colin Matangi, Olakuatu, and Hudson Young. I really like all three. Um, I was super impressed with Colin Matangi to start the year. Um, he's due back shortly. So with Keon, um, he's meant to be back around 14. There's mail that he could be back around 13. Now, if he's back around 13, it's it sort of sucks a little bit that he's got 101 break even because it's 670,000, you know. I was sort of looking at it going, geez, I hope he comes back earlier because, you know, 630-odd thousand, that's a really good price for him. He's averaged 69 points for the year, and that includes his injury-affected game of only 53 minutes where he scored 34. He's a, he's a basically a Mano clone. He's a 72-plus guy, um, and he's going to be that, it looks like, going forward as well. I really like him, whether he's actually available around 13. That's going to be the question. He might not be. And then we've got Ola Kawatu and Young. So Ola Kawatu and Young, I thought... Even up until a couple of weeks ago, I thought Olakwatu was 100% in the Origin team based on how they talked about him last year. He's missed some tackles recently. Um, Hudson Young has been playing really well. So you sort of question, well, is he going to be? He's averaging 63 for the year. He doesn't have anything below a 52, which is phenomenal. The problem is he just doesn't have those uh, those higher games, even when he scored tries. Like he scored a double in round three for 60 points and then tries the week after that and the week after for 71 and 74. He doesn't seem to have that ceiling at the moment, um, but he does still have a base-base attack of a uh, 57, which is still pretty decent. 640,000 per so. Playing Newcastle in round 13, who are going to be fairly unaffected by origin probably, aside from Kalen Ponga. Uh, and then you've got someone like Hudson Young to benchmark him against. Now, for me, I've been looking at buying Hudson Young for six weeks. I'm annoyed that I didn't. If I get to this origin period next week and he's not and he's in the origin squad, then I'll be relieved that I didn't. So I'm waiting until next week to pull the trigger on Hudson Young. But Hudson Young is almost the same price, 638000 
Average 59 for the year. But the key is that he's got a five-round average of 67 and a three-round average of 72. And he has scored five tries in his last seven games. And people will say that's unsustainable. But the fact of the matter is that he is an attacking weapon. We've spoken before. He did it last year. He did it last year. And Canberra doesn't get high tries in their outside backs like other teams. They do have four try scorers like him. So I'm all over Hudson Young if he's not named next week. That's my pick out of those guys. Um, certainly when you're looking at Ola Kwaitu versus Hudson Young, you know, I'm, I'm waiting till next week. But if Hudson Young gets picked per so, you know, should I go Ola Kwaitu if he's not in the origin side? Yeah, I wish we knew early. <laughs> um, Hudson Young, he's... He's ranked 25th in the second row forwards this year with his average of 59.2. But the first two games of the season, he had 38 from 80 and 19 from 70 with the Simbin. You can forget about those. Pretty much since then, he's been as consistent as any second row forward without a massive score. So, and he, he just found a way to the trial line. I mean, you saw that last year when he scored 11 draws or whatever it was. So, been yeah, I think he did score. I think it's like 14. He's, he's only 2% owned. Yeah, if I was about to say. Yeah, that's the other thing. He's the type of guy. I think one thing to think about with these buy rounds, you've got certain players that sort of everyone's going to have. So if you can find a pod that might, and there's no reason he couldn't score you 100 in that round. He's only 2% owned. That's what's going to help you, not having the Dylan Browns and that that everyone's got. Yeah, really good point. And oh, I love, like, Ola Kawadu is only 6% owned as well, so they're both pods. The other good stat with yeah. Hudson Young too, like, I think people see him as a decent work rate and a try scorer. Um, and look, really, he probably should have a higher average than what he does. Like, that's fair to say. But what he does is still very good. The last month, he's offloaded like a fiend. He's gone three offloads, three offloads, four offloads, his last three games. And he's been doing it pretty consistently now. Um, like, even if you go before that, he's obviously got the odd offloads happening as well, where he had two in the game before that. But he's just offloading a lot at the moment, and it's not something we've necessarily seen from him before. It's made him really comfortable, his ownership and and his um, base attack and the fact that he can score tries with that Canberra run. Like, I've got him ranked number two for me behind Maddo. He's my buy in the next fortnight. Yeah, he's a solid option. Um, there's another Smokey in and around that, Price range and average as well. I know he only scored 27 on the weekend. His price at 587k with a P of 94. So you'd hold off until round 13. But um, Lachlan Fitzgibbon snuck along. He's averaging 61.7 for the season. And apart from that 27 on the weekend, he's 74, 72, 66, 72, 54, 62, 51, 79, 60. Pretty consistent. And no one owns him. No, definitely not. He's almost a little bit like a Hudson Young clone, isn't he? Um, just a Hudson Young light. He's just not quite as good as Hudson Young, but he does sort of similar stuff. Except Hudson Young looks a lot better. Uh, much better, test. yes. Um, Hudson Young will be in an origin side for probably a few years to come, whereas Lachlan Fitzgibbon could be in New South Wales Cup side for a few years to come soon. So there is a bit <laughs> of a difference. But, I mean, that's... Yeah, well, I just thought I'd throw out there for those looking for like a, a massive pot who's been... Pretty well on par with Ola Kalato and Young, but no one's talking yeah, about Yeah, he's somebody who I've had in previous buy rounds per se, and he's done me pretty well. Um, the problem is that he's always had those runs. Like, I remember when he used to run off Mitchell Pierce quite well um, and get some tries. So, like, he used to yeah. go on these try scoring sprees. The problem is that he's just uh, too expensive because when I bought him before, it's been like 400K. And now you just sort of look at it and go, well, you know, 
30k I can just have Tarpany or you know uh, 50k I can just get um, Hudson Young I, I think he's priced himself out of the market because people haven't realized that he was been reasonably consistent yeah for sure oh, he's probably a stretch too far for me but um, back when I just did nothing but pods all the time I, he's the type of guy I'd be all over for a round like that if you can jag something but it's funny that year he went really well off Mitchell Pierce. He was a super coach relevant. I think he's still averaged 72 or something that season, and he's just done absolutely nothing since until this year. Oh, he absolutely killed it. And it's like it's worth noting too that round 13, they play Manly at home. And, you know, DCE, the Dribblevich brothers, possibly all the Kalatu, they're all going to be out. Manly's already decimated. So I'd. Okay. Manly's right yeah. edge defence has been pretty ordinary this year too. Been very ordinary. So I mean, if you, if you can't buy him, get on Picklebet and put it anytime try score. <laughs> yeah. get there. Hundred percent. That's a good point. Moving along, it's it's a bit tough when you look at a halfback. I'll just say that outright. We're only going to talk about two. I don't know how we're talking about Sean Johnson as a buy round option. I really don't. <laughs> He, to his credit, he's played really well. We've already given him heaps of props this year. At 600000 with a 36 BE, um, he's got a buy this week, so that's not going to change. So you don't have to worry about getting him in this week with a lower BE. He's gone 76 and 71 the last two weeks, uh, and that was against the Dogs and Penrith. And then the two weeks before against the Roosters and the Storm, he went 31 and 42. And then you look at before that, and he had big scores again. He just seems to be on a bit of a fluctuation of a couple of poor weeks and a couple of good weeks. Uh, obviously, his, his base and base attack is not very good. It's only at 30, but he's creating a lot of tries per so, and he's goal-kicking. Playing the Broncos, who will be decimated in round 13, he does look like an option. He then goes on and plays uh, the Dolphins, and both those round 13 to 14 games are at home at Mount Smart. That's quite appealing. Uh, and then away at Canberra before around 16 by... I think that he could be a, a juicy pod because of that three-game stretch that they've got from round 13. Um, so he's definitely an option. And at 69 points a game, got to repeat that, 69 points a game. You know, we're talking about career seasons at the ripe old age of 32. He uh, He's ripe for a pod play in round 13 and also ripe for probably a five-year $10 million Tigers contract. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for that. Surely he doesn't leave New Zealand. I think they're offering him 600, but uh, I, I can see disaster written all over it. That's such a Tigers thing to do. But I won't harp on that about too much. I'm sure you can touch on it in the um, Talking Footy episode. Um, I like him as an option. Uh, just depends whether you want to part ways with one of Cleary or Hines for whatever reason when you're looking to create money and not lose money. Or Cleary and Hines are the two clearest by... <laughs> Length of the straight and daylight, the two best options at halfback. Yeah, Hines at 104, Cleary at 84, third is DCE at 69, and then fourth is SJ at 68. So he is an option. I wouldn't be looking at anyone else, even Moses, myself, to be honest. Um, if you want a, a player that's playing two of the buy rounds, you go SJ with the 13. The thing with the 13 players is you can quite easily just cop an AE and not even bother buggering around and just keep Hines and Cleary for the rest of the season. It's just going to be team dependent with that one, but I do like SJ as an option. He's pretty solid this season. It's just there's always in the back of your mind he's going to do a hammy or something. Yeah, I'm, we're going to have a little disagreement on this one because I've got Moses and I'm really happy to have him. And I'm, I'm going to. I've got SJ. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, head to head. Beautiful. Uh, look, I, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell Moses here. Round 13 by against the Cowboys. Obviously, uh, might have a couple out. 
and the Cowboys aren't playing that well anymore. Big thing though, it's at Combank Stadium, and you know, at, at home the Eels are just a different beast. And all their attacking weapons are going to be there. Like you're going to have Brown, you're going to have Moses, you're going to have Gutho. The spine is going to be intact. We won't count Hooker as part of their spine because it's atrocious, but they're going to have most of their their side intact. And I really like that for them. Um, and Moses, to me, looks like a really good sort of captaincy, vice-captaincy type of option. Um, he's got 147 versus Knights just in round nine. Now, obviously, he got knocked out and had a sh- shit game against the Titans for 17 points in 73 minutes in round 10. He's only 90K more, per se, and I sort of look at him as a premium option. Like, you, you want a guy in that buy round, like you said, with low ownership that is going to be able to give you a big score. And Moses has that 150 score in him, whereas someone like Sean Johnson does not. So, I mean, that's that's a big thing. And I just, even though Moses has those little scores in him that really bug you, um, I'm just still less worried about Moses than what I am someone like Sean Johnson. Um, and that might be unfair based on this year, but Mitchell Moses is 6% owned. You know, I just think that he's got that 150 type of score in him potentially. And if you get that in that round, 13 by, even if you don't captain him, it's huge. But imagine captaining him for that type of score. Oh, he's definitely, yeah. He's definitely an option for people. I'm just sort of, yeah, it's one way or the other. I went Johnson, but um, he does play all three of them as well, which is handy. It's just how many hills do you want on your side is the biggest problem too. And oh, I've got Dylan Brown and I've got Gutho as well. So having Moses is just... Like I said, same with Mato, and a little too far, I think. Yeah, you do really have to um, plan it out to see how it's going to work for you. Um, the the key thing is that Convex Stadium game for round thirteen is Friday night, so it's a, so it's the second game of the round, very early. Um, whereas someone like Manly Newcastle was last, and South Canberra second last, which are captaincy options in those games. So he's actually a really good vice captain um, to have for that round. Especially against the Cowboys, they're going to be missing a few, and they haven't been going great this year either. Yeah, so, I mean, this is one of the reasons why you know you got to look forward to your strategy. I've always been about balancing the eels because I want the best eels in my side. Um, because looking at that game, you know, it's, it's ripe for so many different vice captaincy options. Um, but you know, you mentioned as well, personally, you don't have to get a halfback in, so I wouldn't feel like you have to. It is a perfectly good strategy that might be the best strategy potentially. We'll see how it plays out to just hold Hines and Cleary. If Hines and Cleary only miss the minimum amount of games, uh, you know, you, you could be very well better off. Especially if you're low on trades, that, that's definitely the move. If you've got plenty of trades up your sleeve, then yeah, go and play around and try one of these guys with this Moses. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, really good advice. If you're low on trades, just get keepers in. Um, if you're not low on trades, then you can burn a couple at halfback and stuff. 5'8", we've got Cody and Dylan Brown. Um, interesting again. It's almost exactly the same as the halfback discussion, isn't it? Who would have thought at 34, Cody Walker would have come in and just absolutely killed it and averaging 73 a game after coming off 57 a game in 2022. Uh, he's actually gone 60 plus 73% of the time. And the first three rounds of the year, 30, 44, 42, and then nothing below 63 points a game since round three. That is incredible. Uh, and he hasn't actually, he's actually gone on that try scoring spree that we expected, you know, no tries in the first few weeks. And then only two weeks where he didn't have a try since round three. Incredible year. He's 778,000 though. Uh, it's it, it's a big problem. He does have Canberra in that buy round. It is at home, but 
South Sydney will be missing a lot of plays. And this is probably one of the things that, that kills Cody for me. He's going to have Luttrell out. He's going to have some forwards out. He's probably going to have Campbell Graham out. They're, they're going to be a lot more um, weaker than what they normally are. And I, I think that's really going to hurt South and put a lot of pressure on Cody Walker. Um, and at the same time too, you know, Canberra could be at full strength even. So I don't love that. But the big thing that is good for him is around 14 and 15, they do have that Titans-Dragons duo back-to-back. So there, there is a lot of argument to say you should pay up for Cody Walker. Um, at the same time, I don't think you can go past Dylan Brown. Uh, so Dylan Brown is one of those guys who uh, I've never loved his game in real life. And in the prior years, it's worked out that I you know, didn't like him in Supercoach much. But this year, you know, I bit the bullet a month ago and brought him in and he's gone well. Uh, the last five weeks, he's got an average of 81. The last three, he's got an average of 93. One of my better purchases, only one try in the last three weeks as well. And he's gone 109, 116 and 53. And again, we spoke about that matchup. So it's, it's the same as Moses. He's averaging 72 for the year, almost his 74 average. And he looks like that he is also a vice captaincy option for this big buy round. He's definitely more of a must have, uh, I think, out of these attacking players because at the 5 8 spot, you can keep him for the year, right? Whereas at halfback or at fullback, it's, it's much, much harder with the Eels. Yeah. Um, I started with Dylan Brown this year. Um, yeah. Brown and Qatar, I've still got Brown and Qatar at four votes. So uh, he'll be my VC in that round. But uh, see, he's a similar bowler. They're both so expensive now, him and Cody. Cody at 7.78 and Dylan Brown at 7.90k. I suppose you've, but you've definitely got to have one of them, you think. And if you've got to have one, it's got to be Bill Brown, based on what you said. Look at, even though South play um, round 14 in that little tricky round, but uh, if it's a tough origin, Bunnies are on top of the table. I mean, do they just give Latrell another rest in that game as well? Um, and give Cook limited minutes to they got Mama Zealous there ready to come in. So but that's it. Putting them at the top, even Murray as well. Like there's Murray would be almost odds on to get a rest in round fourteen, you'd think. So yeah, I don't know. I can't pay that much for Walker now. He's been on a phenomenal run, but I expect him to drop off a bit through this buy period. And I think Brown will just keep doing what he's doing. So the current end of the two of those will definitely be going Brown. And then there's just no other options. <laughs> Five eight is the worst position in Supercoach. You've got Monster Walker and Brown average the top three will average over seventy, and then you just fall off a cliff to Burton with fifty five point nine, and then the next one that plays in the buy round is Ezra Mam averaging fifty one point six. I mean, you're not going to place trades at five eight bringing him in, are you? No, you're not. Um, and I even looked at him as a bit of a dark horse pot option to talk about, a bit of a value option, and he just can't be. He's just he's just played too poorly this year. So uh, for me, it's going to be Brown. But uh, if you are in a position where you've got both, or you've got Cody at the moment and you want to get Browning or something like, or vice versa, you know, that could, that could, that's a huge pod play because at the moment you've only got to get Munster back in and the, the, one of them will be a straight swap to him later on. So if you've got Cody and Brown, you are set for a really potentially large buy around with a large ceiling. Uh, I can't do it, but good luck to the teams that do. It could really pay off the center wing. There's obviously always a huge amount of center wings, the number one guy, Greg Marju, I can't believe how many people were selling him a couple of weeks ago just because he had a buy and was coming off a 39. Um, I've, I've held him. He's only 629,000 now. That's perfect. He's got an 83 BE uh, coming to the Sharks game. So you can wait until next week. But this Manly matchup, we've already spoken about it. Like they play at the end of the round. You could put a C on Greg Marju um, because against Manly at home for the Knights with all the Manly outs, I can see a 100-plus score 
and, and a pretty good run. That's exactly my play at the moment for that round looking forward. VC Brown, C Marju. Well, and he's he's got that sixty four, right? The twenty seven yeah. base attack, thirty three base. Manly's like, right, his defence is woeful with the full strength sort. Yeah. It, it, he's just he's he's the best centre wing by. Uh, you, you pay up for him because you, you keep him for the rest of the year. He doesn't play round 14, which is a tough balance, but he is going to play um, that round 17 uh, tricky week with the three teams and also the big buy of the round 16. So you've actually got him for the next two big buy rounds, and that's quite important when you're looking at your planning and stuff. He's also someone that was quite heavily sold, like I said. So if you have a look at him, he's only in uh, 17% of teams at the moment. That was obviously a lot higher. I think it was close to 30% before. Yeah, I and. It's mind-boggling, to be honest. It's back down to 17. As a most you I know I love it. <laughs> Keep getting it's rid of good. Me. And I don't think that a lot of teams are going to buy him, per se. This is the thing. Look, you probably, you know, you get at least, you'll get, you'll get in the 20s in ownership, but he should be a lot higher. And because of his price point and, and other factors and non-planning and whatever, teams will have to prioritise other purchases, like a Dylan Brown or whoever. I don't think he's going to get right up there. He's, he's going to be a really big, smoky play as a captaincy option for you. I, I love your play that you're doing. Yeah, and he, people will probably be hesitant too because Ponga will get picked at fullback for Queensland, you'd imagine. So he'll be out. In the, but he's actually been averaging better when Ponga wasn't in the side. <laughs> so I don't know. If you've got Marzi, you're definitely holding on him. If you don't have him, you, I don't know, you, would you probably bring him in, in over Ruben Garrick if you were sort of tossing up between the two? I, I would. would. I would. Yep. I, I definitely would. Um, I just think you know, Ruben was a good a good ring in the last couple of weeks where he's had that value. He scored 90 points on the weekend. Um, and we'll talk about him a little bit more in a minute. But I have to mention Marjorie's Knights teammate. We're talking about pods. One of the best averaging centre wings that's playing is actually Dane Gagai at 74 points a game. I would have brought him in about a month ago, except for the fact he's playing Origin. I was looking at him just going, he's been killing it this year. But him playing Origin held me off. No, they, they came out and said the last two weeks that he's going to be a casualty. Like to Queensland's pick and stick loyalty, they're going to leave out Dane Gagai, who's in the best form in a few happen, years. Surely. You know, like... surely, if it did happen, then bang, yeah, I'll be on him. Sure. We talk about Marju's base base attack. Like uh, Dane Gagai's got a 64, 20 base attack, and 40 base on the year. He's played nine games. It's a good sample size. He hasn't scored below 60 aside from a 58 and a 37 in nine games as a centre wing, and. He's got what four scores at a seventy-seven plus. Like he's almost going eighty plus half the time he plays, and he's got a hundred and nine score with one try in round four for his ton. He has been low key sensational. Oh, and, and NRL wise, it's he's arguably in the best form he's ever been in, and it's quite in a super coach. So that means though that he's got seven hundred thirty-five k price tag, um, which also means that you know he's only going to be at best a couple of percent owned. So he's a huge pod. Like, if you're looking at a huge pod play and you're going to spend money, if he doesn't get picked in origin, the other thing to consider is he's got a massive point to prove against the depleted Manly side. And he's 1% owned at the moment. There's only yeah, 1,400 times. 2% at best when we get to this buy round. Um, let's move along to some of the options that are definitely going to be available, though. Um, so three Knights players as the top three centre wings. Who would have thought for this buy round? Uh, Lachlan Miller. He's definitely not going to be playing or, or, Origin. Uh, I was really annoyed that I just kept waiting to the point that I couldn't get on him. He has come back to earth a little bit, like the last two weeks. That's Parramatta, 45 points, 66 points against the, the Gold Coast. Um, but he's still averaging 70 for the year. 
And his base is at 30, base attack at 17, 47 floor, plus goal kicking, though, brings him, you know, to a high 50s floor, which is nice. He has been really good perso. I still can't quite get my head around him. Like five round average of 61, three round average of 65, 663,000. I'm probably going to let him pass um, just for other options. Like I've got Marju ahead of him uh, and I've got Garrick ahead of him, but maybe I'm wrong. Like how do you see Lockie Miller? Oh, I can't disagree with you because I've got um, Marju and Garrick and not Miller. Uh, but uh, he's definitely an option. That's for sure. He's a little bit cheaper than some of the other guys as well. Um, I just keep waiting for him to fall off a cliff, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. I haven't known him all year. Even with Ponga back, he's still scoring reasonable. So, I mean, he's looking like being a, a top, at least top seven or eight centre wing for the year. So, at this point in time with the bike average, you can't begrudge anyone bringing him in. But as yeah. I, I would go Marzio over him if I didn't have either. Yeah, I'd, I'd go Marzio, Garrick. And I only put Garrick number two because I'm worried about that actual buy round. But Garrick's a value pick, right? You know, 576,000 break him in a four this week playing Canberra. Yeah, I've had Garrick for a while. I got burnt with that <laughs> when he got KO'd for his price. <laughs> so he's not going anywhere for me. I'm just getting back up the price. But... Well, speaking about value too, like there's Ruben Garrick in the 500s and there's also um, Alex Johnston has been popular lately, um, which, you know, I, I did expect more out of Alex Johnston, but he's still been solid. Like he's actually scored better in the weeks I thought he'd be worse in the last month. He went 90 against Penrith without a try. Uh, 29 versus the Broncos without a try, 76 with a double against the Storm, and then 40 without a try against the Tigers. It's been a bit hard to pick. Um, note as well that we do have three games in a row at home for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. So the next two against Parramatta and Canberra are both at home for them. And AJ may very well play fullback in round 13 too, which is going to be interesting for him. He's only got um, five tries for the year per so in 10 games. That's a low strike rate at 50% for him. His base base attack's been really quite good at 44. He's 557,000 too. So, you know, you're going to have plenty of teams that aren't going to be able to spend, or if they do spend on, say, a Miller um, or a Marju, it means that they're going to have someone at 400K, 450K as another center wing bring in, as opposed to being able to get, say, Garrick and, and AJ instead of, you know, that uh, combo with a second guy that's not as good. I quite like uh, AJ's value. Uh, you mentioned a really good point. Round 14, South play. They play the Titans, which is a great matchup. If Latrell Mitchell rests, you know, AJ at fullback versus the Titans is gold, and then he plays the Dragons. The South draw is quite appealing for the next month of footy. So for value, uh, I quite like AJ, but he hasn't really scored as many tries of late as what I would have liked to have seen. Ticks just about every box at this time of year. Like um, he, South scored a massive run last year, scored over tries, which he does. He always goes berserk at the back end of the season, and especially the last couple of seasons. And then he's priced highly at the start of the year. So he's always one that I uh, put on my radar for when he sort of bottoms out in price to bring in, which is sort of around now. But the only negative on um, OJ is the fact that the Rabbits are just going right a lot more this year. Well, they've just been massive. Like I said it earlier, there's been massive dominant left. But now that, if anything, they're probably even going right more than they're going left. So that's the only reason I haven't picked him up myself at this point. Yeah, and look, that goes nicely segueing into our uh, value and pod picks. So let's talk value first because the opposite winger, Tarn Milne, like if you do have trades and you do want to take a punt, 
Tan Milne scored 131 points last week. And he also, aside from getting two tries, uh, was priced at about 400000 If you got in on him, you've absolutely killed it because you've got 131 points versus the Tigers, which was, you know, could have happened. Um, and he's also made $80,000 basically. And he's got a minus eight break, break even this week. So he does tick the box at his sub 500, a negative break even. The problem with him is that he does have a lot of low scores in him still. Like the week before he's 131, he's got 27 grand against the Storm and the week and two weeks before that, 26, but that was against Penrith. But even if you look at, you know, round six and seven, where his first two games of the year, he's gone 41 and 40. So he's just as likely to throw up a 40 in, in round 13 in this big buy round. But I guess the thing for him is, you know, he's like 1% owned, massive pod, and he's sub 500K and he's got a negative break even. So, you know, the minimum that you can probably make is 50K. But when you consider after that Canberra game, they've got the Titans and the Dragons. You think by the time they have a buy in round 16, you should be able to get 100K out of him probably. And it might even be a case that you even hold him an extra week to get some more money out of him. So he's a pod play person. He's a value play, but he does have a negative break even as well. Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. Um, I'd probably jump on him before OJ at this point. It's The rabbit's draw opens up. They had a rough start of the season with their draw, and then you know, they sit on the top of the table. Um, right through that buy period, the draw's delicious. And then it, aside from having the buy in round 20 and a buy in round 26, over those last few rounds, the draw is good. So if Milne can hold his spot, he could, you could end up keeping him. But if not, you could sort of move him on probably round 20, I would. If you were going to pick him up now, you'd thank him for the two buys. Um, after they have a buy in 16, they play the middle the uh, the middle buy around. But they've got the Cowboys, Warriors and Dogs before they have the buy in round 20. So if you were going to pick him up, I think you'd pick him up and hold him, make some money and then make a decision whether you wanted to hold him for the rest of the season or bring in someone you think is going to be a keeper for that last seven rounds. So the next two are big balls ones, but they also kind of stink. So I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> but these are these are cheap ones, right? You know, there's you got to look at guys and go, look, they've got some potential and I don't have any money to spend. I'll talk about them both at once. Stags, okay, terrible year, 46 points a game, but people forget he only scored 49 a game in 2022. But the two years before that, he was 62 and 59. You know, so you, you can look at it as a, a potential for a run. He's only gone 60 plus in two games out of 11. And they were 92 and 65 points. Uh, he scored a double for 52, which probably tells you all you need to know about his work rate and his base attack. But he's about $410,000. So he is cheap. You know, can he do anything with a run of um, the, the Panthers this week at home? although you can wait a week probably and maybe even get sub 400, but then he's got the Warriors uh, in round 13. That's a question. Uh, the other guy is Talangi. You know, he pro- probably doesn't make origin, um, but, you know, Talangi is kind of similar, right? You look at him and go, oh, wow, Talangi made two line breaks on the weekend, blah, 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 and he doesn't hit 50. Um, he's got 50 and 39 the last two weeks. Uh, and certainly on the weekend against the, the Dragons with that big score on, you kind of expect him to do a lot more. He's only scored two tries in nine games per se. It's been Kyle Felt that's been carving everything up as far as the try scoring department. 73 is his highest score and the only time he's gone 60 plus. No getting around it, he's been terrible, um, but he's someone else that's like 425,000. So they are cheap options. They do smell bad, but... At the same time, you know, you, these are the type of guys you see these teams go desperate on 
because of the name value in a big buy round, and they throw up a double and score like seventy eight points, and you get you get the shits as a non owner. They aren't good buys, but they're very cheap buys. Couldn't get near either of them. Um, if it was like the old days, and you needed seventeen, you could still have seventeen, not thirteen. But then maybe you possibly could consider it. But yeah, no, yuck. Um, it gross. I tell you, the, I tell you, the guy that worries me not owning him in the centre wing. He's the um, fourth highest averaging centre wing this season. He's owned by twenty five percent of players, and he plays round thirteen against the Dragons. Is Jermaine Asako? Yeah, I didn't mention Asako because I didn't want to. I don't know. I obviously we can't talk about everyone. Not owner. Going well this year. No, but just a, just a quick brief on as a non owner. I'm actually thinking of bringing him in on that ownership because he's, I would keep waiting for him to fall off a cliff too, and he just hasn't. Six sixty five k, but three tons against the Dragons, so he could turn up in that game. And if you don't own him, 25% of teams do. Mm, it's a really good point. Um, and, what, and like we should probably mention him more because 30% of his games, three out of 10, he's gone 100 plus. And um, four out of 10, he's actually gone 80 plus, which is a pretty good strike weight rate for a winger. Um, and obviously, against the Storm this week, he's got a 78 break even. So you don't have to buy him this week. You can wait until next week and see how it all shakes out. Yeah, you'd imagine he'd, he'd drop a bit of coin this week. Yeah, oh, look. He's only he's gone sixty plus seventy percent of the time, so he has been very non Jermaine Asako, um, and it's also a matter of the Dolphins being a lot better too. So look, I don't mind it. I actually was really torn on his teammate because I've talked up Lemuelu for um, a, a long time. You know, Con- Conley Lemuelu. I said to Wilfred just yesterday, I'm so jealous that you got on him early. Because he started the season 307k, um, even round four, 375k, and even in the 400s, 425k, round five, really good purchasing. Um, he wasn't setting the world on fire, but like I've said for a few weeks, he looks like he's getting used to the role week on week, and now he actually looks like a really good edge back row. 79 against the Sharks last game, 120 against Canberra the game before. Uh, only one other 60 plus score in the rest of the games, but when he's been playing his minutes, he's still been pretty solid. He's got two games in the 40s, the rest in the 50 pluses. The problem now is per se, you know, he ticks a box on a negative break even, uh, minus 13, but he's 605,000 now. It's that, to getting into the 600s, you're not getting really any value out of it. It's got to be a bit of an eye testing. Do you think that he actually kicks on? Is he worth doing? Because he's one of those second round forwards that's a center wing jewel, right? So he's one of the few guys that you can put in your centre wing that's going to be a second row all yeah. year. I mean, he's a tough one, isn't he, at that price? Yeah, right? I mean, would you would you consider him at that price? Because to me, I think he's just pricing himself out, but I actually want him, but I just I, I can't do it at that price. It's a tough one. I'll sort of say your head says no with the price watch by the Supercoach, and he's sort of made his money there. Like, if you jumped up and Wilf did, like, yeah, you'd be laughing because he is improving every week. That spot is looks pretty much 100% his. He's not going to lose it. And he's moved to the middle now, so... They have a pretty good draw, the Dolphins. And the, everyone keeps expecting the Dolphins to fall off, a, off the boat, but they're still hanging in on their sitting six. They they look good every week. There's no reason he couldn't score another eight tries between here and the end of the season. It's um, it's a tough one. But dual status is... If he, if he keeps scoring tries, he'll be a 65-plus centre mm. wing for the, for the balance of the season. I, I don't know. I don't know what way it'll go. I can't spend it. Um, but, you know, it, it could be quite a pod play because I don't think many people will spend it. Uh, last guy, though, is a massive pod that's become popular in recent weeks, Matthew Timoko. Uh, he's gone to 710,000 now, averaging 67 for the year. 
Ooh. Last three rounds, mate. Killed it. 79, 119, 69. Three-round average of 89. Five-round average of 77. Last two weeks, he got a try. All of a sudden, we've got a Raiders back that actually scores tries. For a couple of weeks, anyway. He's only got four for the year. Uh, look, he... The Raiders draw, we spoke about it. There's not a lot to talk about in Raiders' backlines normally. 710,000, you sort of go, oh, I, I really can't do that. But if you, if you have a look at it, yeah, he's actually earned the right to be considered. Uh, look, why don't you talk us through it? Because I, I can't do it, but you're an owner. You know, what are you seeing him? I was watching him early on, mainly because his base and base attack has been really good. I was sort of, I was just going to stop, but it sort of hasn't. So I sort of jumped on him a few weeks ago, and he just seems to be getting better and better every week. So they seem to go to him now and attack on that right edge. Um, I can see him being a real smoky this year that a lot of people don't sort of pick up. I'm glad I picked up what I did. I couldn't pay 710 for him. Will his form continue? It may not, but I've got a feeling it will. Uh, he's pretty solid. I can, I can see him being a top five then a wing this season with that form continues. 119 with one try in round 10 versus Dogs. He, he's playing that He's playing that Manly side at Geo Stadium this week with a 30s break even. He he could carve this week. And that's one of the things a lot of the players were spoken about you can wait a week on. And this is actually a guy that could absolutely kill it this week. His next month of football of Manly, South sort of diminished um, through origin duties, Tigers and Warriors. It's a very good month. So like... I was talking to someone um, that we're that we're mates with in one of our group chats, and uh, he said, "I'm bringing in, I'm bringing bringing in Tomoko," and I just sort of said, "Well, I can't talk you out of it. Like, oh, I don't want to pay seven hundred ten thousand, but I couldn't possibly say no because he could kill it the next month, couldn't he?" Yeah, and he's he's having like if he has twenty five runs a game, that's a that's a quiet week. <laughs> he's just getting his hands on the ball so much, and I mean, the last sort of four weeks in a row, he's had. Eight, seven, ten, and seven tackle bus. So he's getting the base attack to go with it. So I mean, if he doesn't get any attacking stats, he's still he's up around pushing that fifty points for the game. So yeah, if you if you discount the fact you know, round one score of twenty nine, aside from that, he's only his next lowest score thirty eight, which isn't the worst as far as the um the floor goes. Look, I do need to talk about a guy that's you know not one of the top center wings. It's not huge value, but is my boy, and I got him pretty cheap. Sevo, last guy to finish off on. Um, he is. I can't believe how well he's gone for me since I brought him in. Like even I didn't expect him to do this. I was pretty worried about when I did it. You know, round six versus the Tigers, sneaking up the ranks. Uh, yeah, he's averaging sixty-two on the year, um, but he's got a five-round average of seventy-two and a three-round average of seventy-seven. And he's a try scorer, right? It's what he does. He's already got four doubles out of eleven games. And he's also got a, a hat trick as well. So he's got 50% of his games, basically, he's scoring at least two tries. It's not actually abnormal for how the Eels attack and what he scores. Since I got him in in round six, 74, 66, 63, 40, 124 and 66. Now, the knocks on him are valid. He doesn't score big even when he scores tries, um, but he does have the potential to go for multiple tries and get a massive one like he did in round 10 at 124. I uh, at six hundred fifty-one thousand. I cu- I couldn't pay it, but this is when the planning comes in, right? Like I paid five hundred twenty thousand for him, and I loved it. Um, it's just it's one of those things where can you pay the extra money now? You know, because he 
he's one twenty four against the Gold Coast Titans in round ten per so. He's one of those guys that could do something like that to the Cowboys at Combank Stadium in round thirteen, isn't he? Oh, hundred percent he is. I mean the Eels won't be missing too many players. Cowboys will be. Um yeah, he's sixty two for the season. That puts him up as the fourteenth best centre wing. Uh, a lot of people were going towards his teammate, Pensani. He's only averaging 60. I'd be going Suvo before Pensani for the upside, for sure. I mean, they got the... 5% ownership, yeah, too. Yeah, they got the cows, as you said, in round 13, and the buy in round 14. And they got the dogs, Manly, Dolphins, buy in 17, play the third, all three Warriors, Warriors Titans. It's not a bad run. And <laughs> is there a game that he plays at Combank where he doesn't look like scoring a double? Well, you know that it's almost one of those things, right? Where it's it's almost like with a Ford, you go, well, you know, he's going to take a dozen runs and make twenty tackles at a minimum. And with Sebo, it's just like you know he's going to score a try. You know, like you you can't discount the fact that he's scoring a lot of tries, right? Because I just expect him to. So it's almost like he's four sixty because he's going to score a try. Oh, especially at home. Yeah, I mean, he's the type of guy you could put in, and um, especially through that period. And then when they they have it, they don't really have any tough games. If they have a tough game, you just sit him. When it's a tough away game, yeah, that's right. And to be fair, like you know, I'm joking with his floor, but he's he's got a 20 raw base, which is always a problem with him. He does have a low score of a 19, which he played 83 minutes to accumulate, uh, and another one of 30 as well. But I will say his low scores haven't been as frequent this year uh, as what they have some other years. His base attack is way up, 22 base attack. So a 42 floor with his base base attack is actually better than what he's done previously, um, which is good to see. Um, and it might be the fact that yeah, he came back from that ACL injury um, in 2021 during the 2022 season. It might have been the fact that you got the one year removed from the ACL. Uh, and I reckon that might be the case. Need to move on to the fullbacks quickly to finish off on all these options for the buy special. Do you think Reese Walsh plays Origin? Because to me, I think that even if they stick with Ponga, I reckon Reese Walsh is going to be 18th man and that's going to rule him out. Yeah, I expect that as well. I think Ponga will get the, get the job. Walsh would definitely be in the squad, probably get a chance to play in either two or three, but um, he's, he, I reckon he'd be 18, man. So if Walsh isn't in the 18, um, he instantly obviously becomes a number one fullback option. There's no question about that. Uh, he has killed it. Uh, same for Turbo, though. You know, Do you think Turbo plays Origin? Because I was certain that he would, and then it's just been a groundswell of, you know, he's not healthy enough and stuff. He keeps saying that he's healthy. But at the same time, too, you know, just is he that good a buy? He's got a five round average of fifty three, uh, forty nine, and a three round average of fifty three. He's only five hundred seventy thousand. Like playing Newcastle, if he ends up playing that game, um, I have to bring Turbo back in in a buy round. But obviously, you know, largely people have just jumped off Trevojevic because he's just he's having his worst season, and it's just really hard to bring him in. You know, one, do you think per se that he actually misses Origin, and two? Do you think you need to bring him in over the other options if he actually is going to play that buy round? Well, it's still the last couple of weeks. I didn't think there was any way possible if he'd uh, miss Origin, if he's, if he's playing. But it is, I don't know whether he's just holding himself back because he's worried about tearing his hammy again or he's just not, like, he's just got that many niggles. He's not fit, but he's a shadow of the player he was. He's just, like, He's not even breaking tackles yet anymore. He hasn't got the strength, and like he's just he just looks an absolute shadow of a player he is. So maybe there will be some doubts. Like I know Turbo as good as he's been, and I will just pick him. Like can Freddie afford to pick guys like that? And and then we go down one nil. 
I don't know, mate, especially with the form of guys like um, Campbell Graham and Crichton and blokes like that. Like, does he go with a Graham on that right edge spot instead of Turbo and just let Turbo concentrate on getting back to form? It's a big call, but um, if he's not, nah, I can't pick him. I'd rather Ruben Garrick, to be honest. <laughs> he's just not doing anything. He doesn't look like creating tries. He doesn't look like getting through the old the base work that he used to. He's just um, either injured or really badly out of form. So I'd be quite happy to pass him up, even if he doesn't play Origin. Even though I think he'd be in for a big game, I just he might punch out a decent one in that week. But then you know, I haven't seen enough in him to um, warrant me going. Yeah, he's going to go on a run. I mean, having said that, he is the eighth highest fullback still, averaging 67.4, and he looks like mud. So it is turbo, but I'll be quite happy just to pass. He's not passing the eye test for me at the moment. Well, I think the thing that draws me back into him, I actually think that, like, I would pick him. if I, They've said it multiple times in media outlets and stuff, like, Freddie should just give him a call first and see. You know, but if turbo said to me, I'm not hurt, I'm right, I'm up for it. I, As if Freddie wouldn't have already had chats. Yeah, I, I do sort of think that the playing centre or even on the wing isn't that bad compared to fullback for him. And I do think that his size and passing ability can probably, you know, he can still make some big plays. And you know, I don't think you need to leave Campbell Graham out. Like, I think Campbell Graham's either on the centre or wing and you have Turbo either centre or wing. Like, I, I think you can fit him. Well, I think that's the way you'll go. I could see, that's the way I see it. It'd be Graham and Sao on the wings. And, um, Turbo and Mitchell at centre, I'd say that's the way Freddie goes. The reason that I will buy Trebojevic if he plays is not because I think that he uh, is as good a player as what he normally is um, or that I'm really got a lot of faith that he's going to score big. It's because he's owned by 25% of teams still. And I found that number astounding per se, yeah. you know, and I just... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even look at that, to be honest. Yeah, I, I just, it's just too much of a risk for me. Like if Turbo goes 120, yeah. Like if he was owned by 2 or 3%, I'd probably be more inclined to leave it. Um, but you know, you could. I just yeah. he's just got too much upside. Where if he goes bang in that buy round, that astounds me. To be honest, I thought he would have been down to at least twelve percent on it. I can't believe it. I, I looked at it as well after a few weeks, and I expected it to be well down, but it's it's still quite high. So yeah, that's why I'm going to buy him if he does play. Um, but I do think that he's still odds-on chance that he's going to be playing Origin. Uh, last guy to talk about, guys to talk about, I should say. Both pods, although Gutherson has gone up um, quite substantially now in his ownership, and he's actually gone really well. Gutherson and Drinkwater. Drinkwater is by far the big pod play. Gutherson is still not massively owned. Gutho is 778,000 with a 115 BE. So certainly wait this week against Souths and then look at a buy in round 13. But Gutherson has one score below 57 all year, and that was 37 versus Penrith. And aside from his 37 and 57, he has gone 62-plus the rest of the way. Astounding season in his consistency. He's got a ton in there at 113 versus the Knights. We've said everything that we can about the Eels draw in the round 13 game versus the Cowboys. Um, the, I guess the big thing is that even if he drops in price, he's still 750000 So that becomes a bit of an issue um, when you're looking at spending that at fullback. But for the origin period, he's going to be out round 14, which hurts, but the Eels obviously play the big buys. So... He does look like the number one guy for a reason, averaging 72 points a game for this big buyer period. Yeah, I uh, I punted Turbo to Gutho about three or four weeks ago. I'm running the Mitchell and Gutho combination. That's pretty much what I'll run 
right through the buys, I think, at this point. Um, if, you, if, you, if you're not planning on just having an ADO pullback, then Gapo is the obvious choice. Well, you've got Lockie Miller in your side. You can plug him in there as well. Or even Garrick. But um, if Walsh doesn't become 18th man, then, then that might throw a spanner in the works. I might well um, move Mitchell on for Walsh if he's not playing Origin, but that'll be a choice I might make later down the track. But yeah, Gutho is the no-brainer for me there. That's the reason I don't have Moses, because I've got Gutho on Brown, so I can't have every oil. Yeah, you've got to be careful, you choose. See, I don't have Gutho, I have Moses, but I'd equally be happy to be in your spot as well. I think that the thing for teams to consider if you balk at the price tag is that Gutho hasn't fluctuated hugely, so he can get you through this buy period, at least match whoever you want to run home with. And if someone like the Chow misses an extra game or even two, then you're really well on top with Gutherson. And then his price tag means he's a straight swap almost, right? Like you'll probably be able to yeah. almost swap him to whoever you want. And that's really quite appealing. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to touch on with the pullbacks, so everyone's saying this year, fullbacks, you know, not the position it used to be. You've still got seven fullbacks averaging over 70. It's just they're not the fullbacks that you're used to. <laughs> like Turbo's at eight, and then who would have thought that um, Jerome Buller would be averaging more than Tedesco at this stage of the season? Tedesco is ranked sixteenth for the fifty point two average, so mm. there's still plenty, plenty of options there. Yeah, that's the thing with Gutho for sure. He's going to hold price, and you can step back up to whoever you want to run. I think Mitchell's the clear pullback ahead, and probably Walsh if he keeps his form up. Yeah, I think Mitchell's a clear number one fullback this year, and he's a superstar fullback that has stepped up. So he's your run home fullback number one. I'm going to take a, I've already taken a risky approach because I didn't have the money to spend. So I paid 620K for Scott Drinkwater. Uh, he scored 75 on the weekend against the Dragons, which I was reasonably happy with. I don't mind that play. Yeah, I just looked at it because starting to come into a bit of form, Barnsley the Cow. So we've been waiting for it for ages. So the last two or three weeks, they're looking a bit more like the team they were last yep. year. Oh, I agree. And it's like, you've got to take some punts when you can't afford guys. Like, I can't afford Gutherson. And the, the big way this is going to pay off for teams too, like I'm not saying that Drinkwater is better than Gutherson. He's not. But round 14, Does. I can't have Gutherson sitting. Scott Drinkwater plays. Yeah, so that's the dilemma I'm in if they rest Mitchell. Yeah. The Bunnies rest Mitchell and without a fullback. Yep. Uh, and it's going to it's gonna sting a lot of teams. So I had to count how many eels I had and sort of plan with that. But he, he played the Dragons, the Tigers, and then the eels in a tough game. And then Melbourne in round 14 at home in Townsville where Melbourne could rest players. So I didn't mind the draw too much. And, you know, they do have the round 15 bye. But then you've got them playing 16, 17, 18 and then missing the the last big bye round, which you can deal with. So uh, he can definitely be a trade-out for that round 19 bye and he's going to have really handy bye coverage in the next two big bye rounds and the next two mini big bye rounds, which is really important with Cowboys. So... Drinkwater's coverage over that period is important for me. Uh, only averaged 57 for the year, but averaged 71 last year. I expect him to average 65 for the year. And to do that per so, he needs to have a good run here. It started well with 75 last week at least. Um, and your Tigers this week, uh, I'm, I'm quite liking for him, even though you know your Tigers have been defending well. So it's a risky one. Um, and on the season, you wouldn't really buy him. But at 620000 you know you, you can't spend 780 on everyone like Guthrie. No, that's right. The only downside there, I mean, if the cows are getting back up to what they were last year, it's not as much of a downside, but they've got a pretty tough draw. After the Tigers this week, they play the Eels with, at their origin players, then the Storm, then a the Bye, then the Panthers, the Rabbitohs, Tigers again, 
the buy and then Manly. So that through that buy period, it is a bit of a tough draw for them. But if they're considering their form, um, I mean, Drinky's their main weapon in attack. The points are going to come from him. So I don't mind the play. Look, that finishes off uh, going through the buy round players. We're going to have a five-minute machine gun, uh, rapid fire CVC talk about the games for this round. And look, market watch for this week. There's not really much point in going through it, so we, we prioritise the buy round um, options and talking about that because that encompasses most of them as well. Uh, there's probably just a couple that we'll touch on while we're getting into the games, uh, and it's any, interesting ones. Um, the Roosters players just quickly traded out two guys that we didn't talk about because they're not obviously playing the buy. Joey Manu is traded out by 10% of teams. Uh, he's the number one most traded out. James Tedesco, 1.9% of teams. I am currently holding both of them. So Joey Manu, because he's now been listed as a round 14 return, which means he only misses one game, and round 14 is going to be important for him to be playing in. Uh, and James Tedesco's playing the Dragons this week. He has not been good, but if he's going to have a good game, I expect it to probably be this one. So I'm holding both of those guys per se, particularly Joey Manu. Like, how are you looking at that heading into this round as far as trading him out or holding? Oh, I actually went Manu to Billy Smith for a cash grab. Big. Oh, see, I looked at that myself and then went, oh, if Manu's back 14. For a couple of guys I want to bring in next week, looking forward to the end of the boys. But I, Manu hasn't been that impressive for me. I mean, the Tedesco, if I still had him, I'd hold him 100% because he's lost that much cash now. He's not really worth getting rid of. And he's going to turn it around sooner or later. Like he's going to have a big score sooner or later, and if you've still still got him, hold him because no one's going to have him when he does put that big score in, and it could possibly be this week. I think the Chooks will come out really fired up this week, so totally I'd be holding Tedesco. I wouldn't be punting him there. But um, you know, I mean, yes, there's merit in holding Manu as well, but just with Billy Smith's been going really well, and he's going to make a lot of cash. So for me, that was just the, the way my team's headed. I'm quite happy to punt Manu to Smith. Yeah, and I mean, that segues nicely into the trade-in, guys, because there's three cheapies that we've got to talk about. So Billy Smith on market watch, most trade-in player, 25% of teams. I almost think he's a must-trade-in. Um, and I, I've been surprised that some people don't think that he is. Like, obviously, you know, Sam Walker could come back into the side, but he's already been listed out for round, until round 15. So whether he plays a game in New South Wales Cup comes back in, like, that's the other thing. Billy Smith is going to go up this week and he's got a massive break even a minus 62. Like even if he was dropped next week, you're going to make 100K. And he's just playing that well at 80 and 71 points last yeah, two weeks. That's on the way he's been playing. I can see Sue Lee going back to the wing before Billy Smith gets dropped. Yeah, I, I look, I don't think they'll drop him. And if he's done that against the Cows and the Panthers, against the Dragons this week, he's a, he's a great player, right? Like he could outscore Manu even if both of them are playing this week. So... It just ticks every box aside from playing round 13. And one of the reasons why I say I was going to possibly keep Manu is because for the other big buy round that the Roosters do play, you know, these type of guys are going to be invaluable. But Billy Smith is one of those guys. If he keeps going how he is, he's going to be a great centering over this origin period. So he he should be the number one player. Um, But people are looking at Harrison Edwards instead um, or even Ben Trebojevic because he plays round 13. So let's touch on them quickly per So Harrison Edwards, I like him. Uh, I think that he's, he's getting good minutes even when he's been off the bench lately. Minus 46 break even. I don't think you can go wrong with Harrison Edwards at 297,000. Probably the only cautious thing I'd say per se. For me, I looked at getting him in and then went, look, he, he, before he's 94 last week, he played good minutes at 58 and 62 minutes and he scored 44 and 36. That's okay. Not phenomenal. But the bigger thing for me is I looked at it and went, you know what? I can't afford two trades at front row forward. 
that's really important. You can afford those trades at center wing, but I don't want to trade somebody in a front row forward and burn that trade and then trade him back out again because I've already got front rowers I can play. So that was my big thing on Edwards. How do you feel about him as a big trade in this week in the top five? Well, he's a good option, but yeah, I'm in the same boat. I just I don't have the room for him. I mean, do I try? I've still got stuck with Pele. Do I trade Pele to him? It's not making me a cash grab. If he was a, a dual second row forward, it'd be easier. But even then, I, I don't have room for him in the second row. He's just a cow. I've just got to let go, unfortunately. Ben Dravojevic is a cow. I'm going to let go. He plays round 13. Um, like, I understand the arguments and stuff. And, you know, he's going to get good minutes at the moment with the outs and stuff. And he's going to play around 13. He's a dual center wing, second row forward. He's starting at second row forward this week. Only 236,000. It, it could work out. I think we saw last year, though, that it can end up an AE nightmare and also a 30-point game in round 13 anyway. He's one of those guys. So, yeah, I'm not loving it. And you're the same. You're not You're not loving the Trevojevic love. Nah, no, no interest in venture work. I think there's just better, better options. You know, if it was a, a week where there was just he might not even. There's nothing saying he's going to start round third. Well, yeah, there's that as well. I, I just think that there's too many other good money making options that you don't even need to consider. Him like Billy Smith and Harrison Edwards are so far ahead of him um, as far as options go. And Kalen Ponga, it's the last one we're going to touch on a market watch. Uh, sixth most trading player per se. I know he went well on the weekend. I know he's only four percent owned, so you know people want to jump on his hundred and fourteen last week. I thought he looked amazing. He also scored 16 points against Parramatta in 80 minutes a week before and looked atrocious. And you notice we didn't talk about him in the buy round planning because we expect him to be in the Queensland side. He's got a 20 break even, so it's not even a negative break even. And he's playing the Sharks this week. I thought this was a, a bit of a head scratcher that worth uh, talking through on Market Watch before we finish up. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know. That's the, the same ones you see every week, isn't it? People chasing last week's points with a low bid early for money. That's those people that play that way is the only ones bringing him in. Anyone that's been around the traps for a while, there's no way you go anywhere near Carlton Paul at this point. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. I understand people thinking he looks better and stuff, but you know, Origins right around the corner. Oh, he played great all the weekend, but there's no way he's not getting picked Queensland. I mean, he was the best player on the field and going through last year. If he's fit and ready to go, there's no way Slater's dropping him. Even if they put him in jersey fourteen or something, like you know, he's going to he's going to be there somewhere. He's going to be there. Let's do our quick fire captaincy look uh, for the games this round. Uh, Picklebed have Penrith Panthers at one dollar thirty seven. By the way, against the Broncos for the first game, I'm all over that. A dollar thirty seven on Picklebed. The, the Broncos are missing Adam Reynolds. Um, I'm absolutely shit scared personally not to have Nathan Cleary. It looks like. You know, a good yeah. game on, on paper <laughs> with Brisbane right up the top of the ladder and the Panthers coming for him. But, jeez, it, it could be a really good Penrith win. They demolished the Roosters, which obviously they don't look very good at the moment. That's fair. But the Broncos without Adam Reynolds and the Panthers coming at Brisbane, oh, it's VC Cleary looks on for me. That's a no-brainer rule, isn't it, VC Cleary? And unless, you, for some reason, you've got Scotty Sorensen in your side. Oof. <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> Let's not I, talk about Scotty Sorensen, please. Oh, I tell you, it, 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 people laugh about it, but he's the sixth highest ranked like, center row, second row forward. So good luck to people who got him. But yeah, clearly, clearly, so this week. Well, it's always hard captaining a straight captain on a Thursday night. So he's, unless for some reason you haven't got an, uh, haven't got a choice to have a. A loophole option, he's a no-brainer, VC. I'd be surprised if he's not the most highest VC this week. 
Yeah, average score versus the Broncos of 85, minimum score of 53, and max score of 151. It's very nice reading. Um, but the next game, Dragons versus Roosters. Again, like with the Penrith Panthers value, Roosters $1.44 on pickle bet. I love that. And I love betting on them to beat the Dragons this week. Obviously, the change of coach per se, but the Roosters are obviously under strength even more this week. No Joey Manu either. But they've, they've got to put it together. To be honest, Manu not, not at 5'8", I think, will actually help the Roosters. Yeah, I don't like Hutchison much aside from depth. I like him as a like clubman. He's a good clubman. But, yeah, for for starting, I don't normally like him. He's playing his old side to let him go in the Dragons, and he came up Definitely through the Dragons help juniors. Tedesco. And it's going to help Tedesco. And I don't know Nathan Cleary. I know it's sad. It's only been a, a couple of weeks, and I'm crying about it. But I own Tedesco. Um, he's an easy VC for me because I've got an easy loop this week. So I see that as a um, a real good pod play. Uh, obviously, he may not come off, but who cares if it's a VC? Um, and if Teddy goes 100 plus, uh, people are selling him. Like he's he's going to be like 4% owned after the, the sales this week. So it's crazy, isn't it? I quite I quite like it. But am I a rooster that's um, looking at the upside here per so and not being realistic about Teddy versus Dragons? If you were in a position where you had Cleary and Tedesco, you have VC Cleary over Teddy. But if I had Teddy, I'd, um, and didn't have Cleary, I'd definitely say so, Teddy. Rabbits versus the Eels. Uh, 3.10 for the Eels on Pickle Bet. I, I reckon that their line's pretty good um, if you can give them a 10-point start. I actually think that this is a bit closer than what it looks, although it isn't a Combank Stadium. But Latrell Mitchell's just been killing it, you know, tons up for fun at the moment. And the Eels, even if they play well, they can lend you points. Like the Gold Coast Titans scored 26 against them. So you're a Latrell owner. Um, we've obviously spoken about clearing VC. Does Latrell earn the right to be a, a captain? Because I will throw in Indigenous round. Uh, he's, he's really pumped for it. He loves it. I, I would be captaining him, even though it is against Parramatta. I think it's right there for him to, to get another 90-plus score. Well, it's a coin toss between him and Himes. If you get a VC Cleary, then that's your two C options for mine this week, I think. But uh, I'll be VC and Mitchell. Um, and hope that he could pull out a 150 or something and then I'd loop him. But um, Hines against the Knights is too juicy for me as a, for a captain. But uh, the Eels do tend to get up for those sort of tougher games. But um, the thing I like about the Bunnies this year, I mean, they showed it last week against the Tigers, that they're not impatient anymore. Well, they just sat there and quite happy to lead 6-0 with 71 to go, and then the points came at the end. I, um, the Eagles' defence hasn't been great, so I don't think it'll be an arm wrestle like last week. I think the Bunnies will score you know, 20, 30 points, and Mitchell will have his hands all over it. Yeah, I actually think this could be good scoring for both sides. Uh, and Latrell Mitchell, you know, it's second-best average out of anyone is against the Parramatta Eagles. 88-point average against the Parramatta Eagles. Third best biggest score, 148. So, mate, the numbers stack up for Latrell Mitchell to have a blinder this week against the Eels uh, in Indigenous round. I'm honestly petrified as a non-Latrell owner. Um, The Sharks versus the Knights is the one after. One of the good things about this, and again, $1.32 on Pickleback for the Sharks. I know the Knights have been playing well, but this is a points bet stadium at Cronulla. Get all over that. But the Sharkies... Obviously, have a guy called Nico Hines. I don't know if anyone's heard of him, but he's the number one super coach player. And I am elated that people have to go a captain or vice captain on Cleary or Latrell because it might mean that poor old Barnsey, without either of those two players this round, uh, could actually stag uh, a lower captaincy option in Nicholas Hines. I think he's going to go well against the Knights, and he's obviously my captain, pretty clear cut. Yeah, that's up at Coffs Harbour. And, um... 
three o'clock in the afternoon too on a Saturday, so it'd be a nice, nice track. They've had a bit of rain up there, but I think it's supposed to clear by the weekend. So, I well, mean, Nico goes better in the rain anyway, doesn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, the wet hair has got to be there, but um, he wets it himself anyway if it's not raining. So that's why he's good every week. Um, <laughs> I, I would rank. I, I think that I would go. Nico, Latrell, Cleary, in my top three for the round. I'd have it that as well. Yeah, for captaincy. Obviously, vice captaincy, you've got to decide between Latrell and Cleary. Um, but yeah, no, I've got I've still got Nico number one. Newcastle away at points bet. Uh, the Sharkies are down on forward trips though, which I think could hurt them. Um, with obviously uh, McInnes now ruled out for another month, their their forward stocks are really low. So it'd be interesting whether that hurts them too much. Uh, but the other, like, well, we'll just fast forward to the uh, two other games that might be captaincy options for teams that want to take a punt with a VC, Nico. Storm versus Dolphins. I know that the Dolphins are playing well. Um, Storm at $1.39 on Picklebet as well. There's so many good value guys um, on some of these favourites that I think are definitely going to win. But the Storm, maybe I'm not giving the Dolphins enough credit per so, but I just see the Storm rounding into a bit of form. Um, and guys like Munster, you know, if you VC... Hines, do you take the punt on someone like Munster really putting it to the Dolphins? Obviously, the Dolphins were going to sign him. Wayne Bennett wants him. They've got a good relationship. It's one of those games that smells like a, a Cam Munster masterclass. Yeah, well, it's basically another Queensland derby, isn't it? I mean, the Storm, we've got a pretty good tie to Queensland. It's got that, I reckon it'd be a cracking game, this, but yeah, it has got that written all over for a, a Munster just coming out and dominating this game. If I, if you did go that way, VC and Pryor, and you were toying up between Grant and the Munster for your city, I would I'd be going towards Munster. Munster's very, very safe for this, I think. And if you look at his scores um, after he came back from injury, around four onwards, he's got a score of 39 in there. But all the other scores, 78, 74, 114, 99, 71, and 87. It's safe as a bank if Nico doesn't come through with a VC, I think, with that. But talking about not safe as a bank, but on form and also the absolute pod captain of the round to finish up on, David Fafita, three hundreds in a row, 114, 100, 111. What about if he doesn't score 100, Barnsley? Well, look at the four weeks before that, 84, 82, 76, 96. He's almost guaranteed an 80-plus score. Um, playing the Bulldogs, they have obviously can be pretty weak on the edge a little bit. Um, I'm, I think that he's the pot option of the round and I could see another 100 plus coming this round and if it's a round where it's a bit quiet per so where you have some you know, some of these contests like Broncos and Penrith are tighter than what we think then all of a sudden someone like Fafita like last round could actually shape up as the best option but the pod one For sure I'm, uh, I haven't ruled it out yet to be honest Barzi. Um I've really liked Fafita this year for a number of reasons but uh, I, I might end up, I mean, that could be a tighter game than we think. The Rabbits and Earls, uh, the Knights have been pretty gritty this year. If I don't go VC Mitchell, I might VC Hines and go see for further. I haven't ruled that out yet. And those games definitely do look like they could be tight. Like there is a, a definitely a world where all those are grindy sort of games. Um, definitely a world where a couple of those teams blow those um, favourite Those are not so favourite, but those other teams out like the Broncos are at the top of the ladder. Like that could happen. I I like your thinking, though. Um, and I do think that there is five really good captaincy options this round. So to finish off on it, I love the captaincies this round because I think it's really... Yeah, you've got all these other rounds that we've had lately where it's like there's only a couple of options that are real clear cut and everyone's going the same sort of players. This is a round where there's so many good options. So it really should help separate teams, either for the good or the bad. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, you, there's, there's a world if you've got drink water at fullback or something like that this week too, where you, you could be seeing a Cleary or uh, a Mitchell and, well, we can't be seeing Mitchell. You could be seeing a Cleary and put a, a rogue C on drink water as well if you think the cows are going to put a number on the Tigers. But um, plenty of options this week. There's a, a, <laughs> all cracking games too. Well, Indigenous Round, it's going to be fantastic. Can't wait for it. Perso, thanks very much for jumping on for the uh, super long buy round special of the All-Stars podcast. Love chatting Supercoach with you for a change this year. Yeah, it's been good, Buzzy. It was always going to be a bit of a long, interesting episode, this one with the boys. Uh, hopefully it's um, a bit of helpful information out there for people. I'm sure it will be. So we'll get you on again soon. But for everyone that wants to listen to the podcast, we're everywhere. Download us, stream us, share us, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. Also follow on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore all stars and jump on picklebet.com and have a look. Use their referral code, which is all stars or one word. Sign up today and use that referral code. They'll take great care of you. But we do have the Talking Footy podcast hitting Thursday. Make sure you tune into that. Good luck with your trades this week in Supercoach. So hopefully it's a great round for you. Can't wait to chat all about Indigenous round again next week. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. 